This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. You've worked hard for what you have your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. Hey, folks, it's Friday, December 29th, 2023. This year is almost over, if you can believe that. If this pickup sounds a little boomy, it's because I'm out of town for the holidays myself. Astonishing Legends is pretty much shut down for a few weeks, but as promised, we wanted to share some of the older Patreon-exclusive junk drawers with you during our dark weeks, and tonight we're running episode 21 of the Astonishing Junk Drawer. This originally ran on Patreon back on March 18th of 2023, about nine months ago. It's a discussion with our dear friend and possible future podcaster, Richard Haddam, about part one of our main feed series on the Philip Experiment where a group of researchers managed to conjure up what appeared to be a ghost that could interact with them by levitating tables at seances and in other scenarios. The crazier thing is that they made this ghost up. They knew that. He wasn't real, and they knew that going into it. Yet they still managed to interact with this fictional creation in physical ways. Now keep in mind, this took a long time to manifest. So long, they almost gave up. But over time, eventually, they started to have success. And thus ensued one of the craziest paranormal experiments of all time. There's a reason Tess said this was one of her favorite topics of the year during the after party and toast from our holiday special last week. If you missed it, it's in the main feed. Just search for Astonishing Legends Conjuring Philip Parts 1 and 2 on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts for the full skinny on it. But in the meanwhile, tonight we hope you enjoy this rebroadcast of the previously Patreon-exclusive Episode 21 of The Astonishing Junk Tour presented as an encore presentation to our listeners during the dark weeks at the end of this year, 2023. Remember, the junk drawer is a shoot-from-the-hip show. It's very candid. It's not nearly as uh, buttoned up as the main show, and that's the way we like it. So get ready for that if you haven't heard an episode of it before. If you want to hear more junk drawers tonight after you hear this show, then go over to patreon.com astonishinglegends and sign up for access to those as well as commercial-free versions of our main show and other bonus content. From Forrest and Tess and I, as well as the rest of the gang here, we're wishing you a very happy new year. And please remember to not only recommend Astonishing Legends to your friends, but to also check out the other shows on the Astonishing Legends Network. The Midnight Library, closing in on 5 million downloads, and the new show, Scared All the Time. Both available wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here is Astonishing Junk Drawer number 21, as it was recorded, live for Patreon. Thanks for listening.
Hey folks, it's Scott and Forrest. Welcome to Astonishing Junk Drawer number 21. And uh, we, we, you know, we're I'm glad you showed up. I can see. Oh yeah, you know, it's funny. When we went in, it said 11, it said 17 people watching and then it just instantly went to 11. They saw my face. Uh, I started speaking and six of them bailed. <laughs> we um, should be used to that by now. Rich Haddam, come on in. There Hello, we go. Gentlemen, Hello gentlemen, how are you? <clears throat> it's good to see you, sir. It's good to see you. We've talked offline, uh, but now we're finally doing it. Yes, we are indeed. Thank you for making yourself available today. Um, oh yeah, we uh, we are excited to have you. We have the mechanic backstage uh, directing for us. We we so what we wanted to talk about is a little bit was we just did a show on the Philip experiment, which I don't I doubt you've even heard, but you know you're familiar with the experiment itself. Yes, you're talking you're talking to me. Yes, sir. Oh, I I listened to part one. I just finished oh. earlier today. Oh, okay, great. I was on a bike ride. I did about 22 miles. It's no big oh. deal. Oh, no big deal out of it. Thrown in a humble brag. Uh, but, but Rich, you had heard of this uh, experiment before in all your travels, right? Heard of it, my yeah. friends. <laughs> a first edition in my hot little hands. Yes. Thank you for not going up to look for the book in the middle of our talk here and being gone for five minutes. Yeah. Oh, no. had it all ready to go. Look, that's the mechanic. Okay. He's already having problems trying to solo. Now, now hold on. That's uh, uh, just for uh, the elucidation of our audience. That is a is a reprint of the Iris uh, M. Owen copy, right? And that was her initial book. Or it is is that also a compendium of their, uh, you know, their their the journal? No, from that's their, the actual book. What, I think. Are, are you maligning my book for us? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm just saying. Is it uh, uh, reprint? That's not a word that Rich knows. Oh, right. Well, it's not. It, I don't think that that this was the original. This is signed by Philip. Was it? It's signed by Philip. No, it, well, I'll that's how I know it's legit. Arg, Arg Owen or Iris, uh, but it's, no, I guess what I'm asking you is that the original uh, first edition copy? Yeah, it's okay. a first American edition. I okay. I don't know if there's a difference between this and the first Canadian edition. Right. right. Yeah, I, I went looking on a books for that one. I have, and I've had to stop. I've got to stop buying. You got to stop buying the shelves. Yeah, I know it's hard. It's difficult. Yeah, because I just got. Um, yeah, I just got. I'm not going to even go talk about the book I just bought. So it's too. It's uh -huh. it's it's a tangent. It has nothing to do with this. So I want to hear about it. Can you, uh, <laughs> for people that for the 15 people that are here that maybe haven't heard, um, oh, I got to bring up the comment window. I'm not even looking at it. Look, there we are. Hey, folks. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Robaz. Hi, Samantha. Um, so what I was going to say was, um, can you just do like maybe do a brief overview? Of the Philip experiment for people yeah, who watching this and won't have heard the episode, I'll I'll give you sort of my my take on it. Okay. Um, you know, for 150 years, uh, the Society of Psychical Research in England and in America um, have used seances as a way to try to communicate with spirits of the dead. And um, so again, picture Disneyland, the Haunted Mansion, picture movies you've seen where people are gathered around a table and it's dark and they invoke a name and, and then things start happening in the room. Uh, maybe objects move, maybe there's knocking on the table, maybe there's sounds, sometimes things get pretty crazy. So um, the, 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 one of the questions that came up early on in this sort of investigation technique was, it, it, well, A, is the stuff happening at all? So, and and I listened to your part one and you guys were very diligent about peppering through if you believe any of this at all. I think you should change the name of your show to Allegedly. 
And then that just covers it. You'll <laughs> oh, never have uh, to say it well, again. No, no. Rich, as you know, as a writer, uh, you know, when Scott uh, – uh, works on the the cold open segments that we do and and uh i will work on the description paragraph we're very careful about the adjectives we use and the and the adverbs because a lot of this is all based on well i think we'd say most everything we do is based on belief and it's very personal and it's very much part of your identity and so t people take it very personally and there are lots of fights started and uh, angry emails go back and forth so we're very careful to say uh, there's a difference uh, as we talked about i think maybe in the last junk tour about the different terms if you say uh, allegedly that's it's got a taint to it if you say possibly it's like <laughs> well oh well that's yeah we're not if, maligning anybody and then if you, if you say, say like uh, i think if you say suspiciously a problem <laughs> if yeah. you say what well, <laughs> Taint. He said there's a taint a, to allegedly. Oh, a taint. Yes. I, I think there's <laughs> a taint. Up, taint. <laughs> anyway, yeah. but my but what I was gonna say was if we if if we step over that hedge, if you will, and place ourselves squarely in the garden of something's happening, then the question comes down to are we actually mm -hmm. communicating with old dead grandpa Joe? Our second theory, are we dealing with a a, a disembodied entity claiming to be old dead grandpa, grandpa Joe, Joe. Yeah. or are we somehow creating physical effects on our own? Because look at it this way. Mm -hmm. If a dead person can make things move with their disembodied mind force, can't a living person do that? Yeah. It, right. It makes so, sense. I think also, uh, Rich, the third option, if uh, this may, and it's ironically, maybe a stretch for you, but the third option for me, and again, it's, it's a three points of logic, either it, it's not happening, it is happening, or it's a combination of happening and not happening. So in this one, could it be a combination of somebody's living psychical powers or just unseen uh, magnetic force? Or uh, it actually, uh, what we're going to find out here in a bit is that uh, Michael Faraday found out there was no magnetism or electromagnetism involved that he could measure. Uh, or is it something spiritual that, which uses the same principles, but from a different uh, energy right. source? Or, it's, or is it a conjunction of the two? And that, you know, because, and I think all, every, uh, every scenario is different, as, right. as Faraday found. But to simplify, if, if that's even possible, is is for the listener to know if, if again let's assume physical effects are happening so the philip experiment was designed to to completely rule out ghosts okay or at least right. that was right the design now What's interesting, of course, is that there could still be a disembodied spirit who overheard all of their plans and had nothing else to do and could read their minds because why not and stepped in and is creating all of those effects and none of the living people are doing it. But but again, let's if we set that aside for a second. I think the really interesting question, and I want to talk to all of you guys about this either before or after we watch the footage, is what is the um, what is the potential of humans gathering together with a common purpose, and what can that result in? And in the case we're talking about, 
did it result in actual physical matter moving around without the physical assistance of any of the human beings present? So that's the question of conjuring up Philip. That's the question of part one of your podcast. And now we're going to see, I think, actual footage of some of their experiments, and we're going to see some of their results. Yeah. And and so that's that's what I want to talk about, too. And I also want to, uh, the idea, like you said, Rich, it's not just mind reading. There's also this concept of, like, you know, I hate using these terms over and over with, like, Akashic Record and all that. But, like, it comes up, it comes up when we start, uh, when we've talked about remote viewing in the past and the way that the, the access to data work. It's like there's this database that maybe these things can get to from whatever this is if it's if you're trying to put a scientific reason on it that it, you know it's another dimension or it's a different form of reality or it's just outside of our senses to be able to understand but it's like when we were talking about siren call and uh they were talking about what the pilot right that uh stayed with his unit in a stadium for a week or two and this mm -hmm. data was highly accurate but then a lot of the other data about his unit was completely wrong and so where's this information coming from? Because that's not there's not even anyone around to read their mind on that data. That's just data that's out there, information that's out there in the ether somewhere, apparently, uh, when it when it came to that stuff. But with Philip, it was it's interesting because yeah, they created him out of nothing. And then so yes, we have some footage here, and I did want to show some of this. Um, I'm gonna bring up um I'll I'll actually pull this up, mechanic. Um and I can't share that. We're not going to watch this whole thing because we have two clips, and uh, I can't remember which one's with. This one's seven minutes, and the other one is. Um, and now, but and this is material people can just go on YouTube, I assume, and, yes, and yeah, see this I'll for put themselves the, at the their leisure. For both of these, they're both on YouTube, and I don't know what the rules are about us um, actually doing this. Um, so we, you know, the, but we're on Patreon, so we feel pretty safe here. So you, you can see everybody's got their hands on top of the table here. These are the actual Philip experiment people, and they're trying to show how the process works. And so there's a lot of narration here before anything happens. And then I felt like I felt like there were parts of this. Okay, here we go. Here we see the table going up there. <laughs> yeah. So you have to ask yourself, what's what's happening there? Are they, is someone raising it? Is the woman on this side raising it? Are they pushing down? And then when it starts to move, they get mobile. That was part of how they operated. They like try to follow it around and get out of its way. They go out of their way to keep their feet from doing anything. And in some of this footage, I can't remember if it's this clip or the other one, you can see, see that's pretty amazing when it starts to rotate, I think. That's interesting. But some of this stuff, you know, the camera, it's only on it for a few seconds. Well, yeah, here's a good one coming up here. Now you can see this guy's, I think he's on his knees, isn't he? He's yeah, down. it looks like he's kneeling. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. And now it's sort of balancing? Yeah. But isn't that interesting? So like in this clip, I was like, all right, what is happening here? Is this, okay, someone lifting it up? Like someone got their thumb under the edge? Right, right, right. On the, on the far right. But I don't see any thumbs under the edges. So then your next question is, are the people on the left pushing down? And there is something to be said here for the combination of force of all these hands. There is a multiplication of uh -huh. basic physics there. 
Um, yeah. Right. So it's like it's way less work to get that to happen. Like every finger only has to do the tiniest thing. Just if it's if it's influencing it somehow. If, uh, I know Forrest <clears throat> is going to come in here. But well, like, no, for uh, in that particular motion of it. Yeah. flipping, because here, here's the thing. It, strip all this away. We have not started actually with the base, which is uh, if you don't believe this at all, then what are we talking about here? Well, then since. Uh, probably uh just started to become a parlor trick uh let's say well let's, let's back it up because what's also connected is the uh the quasi voluntary motion of uh that's emanating from the subconscious and that could have been started with mesmer right. so uh then then you go into the mid 19th century when uh, as we were just talking uh dr uh, carpenter or, you know we're, we're going to talk about some of these papers probably in part two uh more formally uh was studying uh, some of the effects and what's going on in the physiological state of what they called then the biological condition or electrobiological which he said was a misnomer it's it's really not that but it's a similar to a hypnotic state is that there has to be a state of the nervous system with the people trying to attempt this that is, uh, and this is what the Philip experiment seemed to have proved, and I'm, I'm just now stitching this all together, is that uh, there has to be a state that the person is in. Again, like uh, like when someone goes under hypnosis, then you have in 1853, uh, you have Michael Faraday, one of the most brilliant minds uh, uh, and uh, measure researchers of electromagnetism and, and gravity and all things like that. And what he came to find was that it wasn't always, it'd be one thing if it was always tipping over on its side. If it just did the one motion, it's like, okay, that's weird. What's going on here? So what I'm saying is when you strip all this away, uh, if it is, there is no motion other than what people are faking, let's say, like this is all just a ruse and people have been doing this amazing magic trick since the mid 19th century. Then what we're actually studying is one of the best stage magician tricks ever devised because uh, nobody, uh, even looking at it this closely, uh, uh, Sir William Crooks, some of the brightest minds of their eras and continuing today, have never figured out how they do it. Now, on the flip side, logically, people would say uh, everybody loves to go back to the amazing Randy. So uh, in that, uh, you know, James Randy, the stage musician, could uh, also fake these things. So he, what he proved, though, is that it could be fake, but it doesn't prove that's what we're seeing here. So in light of this, then what you're seeing is that uh, all these people were being fooled. And, and ironically, uh, as we've talked about before, uh, James Randi was was conned himself personally in a in a matter of the heart uh, with his own life. And so anybody can be conned. But what we're saying here is that there is basically just this magic trick that everybody that these people have been able to figure out, which stumps everybody in that. And then also it, it's not just the table tipping in the one way. Uh, sometimes it rotates. Sometimes it, this thing moves on its own without being touched. There's a multitude of yeah, but uh, that stuff of motion. that stuff isn't on camera anywhere that I've seen. All the no, really but, but amazing is, right. stuff I have not. <laughs> in terms of the right. table, I want to come to the wrapping there later. Is, there is one clip though, Scott. I think I, I thought there was one clip or uh, or is a photo that showed any. You know, of course, it's a photo. Is still in that session viewed by multiple people where the table did end up. Uh, on its own, moving laterally. And that's what Faraday says, too, is right. that sometimes it turns, you know, in a clockwise left or right motion. Sometimes it goes in one motion. Uh, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, that they claim that it, it kind of rises on its own a little bit. One interesting thing that he noted uh, with, with his viewing, and of course, he vouched for all the people that were doing it, saying, I was like, well, I, 
I was right there. I had my measurements going. Yeah. And, uh, you know, is good. And, and they're, look, these are very basic measurements for uh, electromotion, electromagnetism, something physical in his world that he said, I could not see any normal, peculiar, he said, you know, natural means of uh, energy that made the table move, let's say. It was something that he could not see or measure, and but he did see it move. What was interesting is that they would describe uh, the people doing it who said they could t uh, table turn was that uh, they felt that the table was drawing their hands, is that the table's moving first and drawing their hands. And so he set out very simple uh, measurements to to see if this was true, what was happening. What was interesting is that the, what he did first notice is that uh, it, again, it, we'll, we'll try maybe to explain this in part two because it's a little involved in what he is. It's, it's very simple. But he had a little setup, and, and to get it visually in your mind without seeing it is a little hard. So, but what he did is what he noticed is that uh, he marked, uh, he had stacks of slick cardboard with uh, bits of a, as he called cement, which is a little bit of wax. And he marked where these were positioned on the table to see if you were pushing just the cardboard, and you had to push hard enough to get this table to slide vertically just on the floor with its legs, then the cardboard should slide off, your hand in the cardboard would slide off the edge of the table. What he was noticing is that the the hand moved first a little bit, and then the table followed. In that uh, he could see that it moved, but he said it's it's not so much that, uh, like I said, to move for him to be able to do it, like to 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 push that hard to get it to do it, your hand would slide off. Somehow this table seemed like it was leading the letting the hand lead a little bit, or the hand was dragging the table, or that it was keeping up, but it didn't. Uh, and also, here's the other thing that it has to do with an intention of the mind, which is also what Dr. Carpenter said, is that it's like with uh, hypnosis, is that uh, Faraday was saying that the it seemed to be the intention of the person to move it. Sometimes that would have an effect. It's like, I, I'm going to show you, I'm going to move the table to the left, and it would move to the left. And then other people would try it or different times at the same person, and they would say that, but the table moved to the right. And then sometimes the table didn't move at all. And so sometimes, or or the other thing is that it didn't move. At first it started to move, but it, it was an indeterminate direction. Like it was just kind of skittering around. And then it would definitely move somewhere. Uh, so like I said, this is what I think Richard's getting at is that there's a multitude of different outcomes and possibilities, sometimes tied to intention, sometimes not. It's all over the place. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I'm gathering here. Is Rich, that, is that uh, what you're getting at? Um, well, there's different, op there's know, different options, or it could be, I know. Okay, so, it's, uh, it's, no, let me but, talk but, Rich is all about to <laughs> okay, grandpa. Okay, now Rich gets the talk. No, well, grandpa, he's Forrest. doing Grandpa Joe's ghost, because uh, that's that's the most well, cinematic angle. Well, um, Forrest, did you, um, the the thing that you were talking about, about the person who was who was doing the experiment with a table with a piece of cardboard on it, was this... Was this at the same time or in reaction to the Philip experiments, or was this? No, no, this is eighteen. This thing? is Michael Faraday. Uh, was it? You can bring that up. There you oh, go. this was Faraday. Okay. Yeah, let's so see that was, picture and yeah. our mechanic. So what there. we're saying is that uh, you know, point being is that table turning is right. nothing new. Table levitate. This has been going on. Right, right, right. Seances, as you said, and spiritual spiritualism. And here's the thing: it didn't uh, happen with that. It's like people say, well, there was no UFO experience prior to. Uh, uh, Mount Rainier and Kenneth Arnold. It's like in 1947. They think that's when it started. Right. It's, it's no, that's yeah, no, that doesn't equate when things are being measured. Yeah, and this is being no, no, no. measured Clearly since the not. 1850s. This, the, these are people coming at this after 
I mean, they, they, they know the history. And so their question, again, I think their question was a little less, can it happen? But we sort of, we sort of assume, believe, think that this phenomenon can happen. We just <clears throat> don't know what it is, where it comes from. Let's not assume it's right. a ghost. Maybe it's some untapped power within the human mind right. that w with a specific group of people might be able to, to manifest and then, and then look backward and go, well, then maybe that's what was happening in the parlor and the drawing room in the 1880s. Right. So, it, it just and, quickly. And, yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to read, uh, I was just going to read from, uh, Dr. ARG. Uh, he's the, he's the, uh, genetic uh, mathematician, uh, geneticist, whose wife, Iris Ohm, documented this in the book, and this is in the intro. And he just, uh, just want to say clearly, he explains their three goals. Uh, so just quickly, he says, in 1973, a group of consisting of eight members of the Society of Psychical Research in Toronto decided to find out more about these mysterious effects, what we're talking about, PK, uh, psychokinesis. I uh, said they wanted to find out, first, whether they could be produced in full light Second, whether a spirit medium was necessary or if, instead, they could be generated by ordinary people. And third, if the force involved was produced by a disembodied spirit or instead was generated by the living participants in the cycle, in the circle, excuse me. Uh, and also, could they induce a group hallucination of this character, Philip? So that, that's just basically the, the, yeah, the definitions of what you said. But it was, uh, uh, the, the other thing is that, can anybody do this? Can this be done? Does this have to be in a dark seance room or on stage uh, in a theater? Can this be done anywhere at any time by anybody? You know, it's frustrating because um, I think the answer is yes, uh, that that a dedicated group of people with an unlimited amount of time, uh, sure, that's what they were. That's how they did it. Um, the start experiment. Sorry, I'll mute that. <laughs> Oh, what what are we watching now? Oh, just more. There's more mm. footage of them. No. Um, I have a question as to this film. Was it made for themselves, or did they? Was it These made were, because uh, they specials. knew there was? There were uh, television specials. So that that without that's a pretty good little clip there where it moves around but yeah i i there's a part of there's one of these where i'm like okay i think they're staging this for the camera but if you look at this this is this is exactly how they described it as actually happening and that's the original group i know the people in it uh but okay, here you because now we're at a new angle yeah so see that is... though it's pretty interesting right there that little yeah. chunk where it, it whips around there's a cut yeah there's a cut but then here that <laughs> Is, yeah that so it looks like it's lifting up it's and it, yeah that's pretty that guy sort of takes his hand off and he's like trying to get out of its way that's yes it. he's kind of hopping around yeah and then they have uh let's see is there more here? this see i think this is staged all of this that's reenactment stuff there i think you did know, they identify it as being a reenactment 
No, but that's the problem. Is back in the seventies, I mean, look how the cutaways. It's got B roll and cutaways of him. <laughs> There's like three know, cameras. That's Doctor Owen right there. He's oh, the there he is. He's standing up. Yeah, outside the circle. There he is standing. Yeah, because like, did they do this? Did this work perfectly while the cameras were there, or did they were like, okay, let just let's go ahead and stage this so people can see what it looks like when it happens. You know, I'm not saying they're being deceptive. I'm just saying well, I don't know that this is real. So we're not, but but in other words, we're not watching the special from beginning to end with no. all the context and them saying, okay, so here's here's a reenactment. Okay, now here's that, this was done three see, months ago. I don't think ago. this is staged here. And see, he's wiping his. Uh, the one guy is moving his feet under the table to show that there's nothing underneath it in the beginning. There, see that? Yeah, he's sort of he's sort of dancing around. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. You know, but but by the same token, you look at this, it's like it would take almost no effort from any of these people to get that to happen right there. What's happening there, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, that's funny. That, oh, that, see, here, here it tips over. And so that was one of the things where I'm like, okay, are they? T- is the guy in the foreground pulling it down, you know? And how many cameras? Because we keep cutting to different angles, which either says right. they did this more than once or there were three, there were, it looks like at least three cameras running at all times. Yeah. And so that's the thing that or, I don't get. But the other thing we have to look at is at the beginning here is um, Joel Witten's outfit. It is amazing. He's the psychologist that was present. Here we go. Is that, this is that guy, him? No, next there. Look at him, man. How cool is that dude? <laughs> well, that's Joel later Witten's on. The- that's later on. There's a, there's earlier. There, look at him there. That look at saw. that. That's well, some sure, swagger. That's some swagger. Him? Yeah, that's, that's the most him. startling phenomenon is his leather vest. Yeah. And they just kind of like laying back, chewing that gum. He's like, yeah. So guy. Scott, you know, he's Joel Witten is the guy who worked with Joe Fisher. Yes, I know. Yeah. I know. Which I, you know, I was amazed by that. Frankly, I didn't expect that. So look, here's the thing. You know, this is like us, a little bit like us looking at the um, Patterson-Gimlin film yes. or any given UFO picture and what's really interesting is that all that stuff, like Patterson Gimlin, um, another person, we, well, I'm not even going to mention because it might be a future episode. It's the one that I mentioned to you the other day. Yes. It, it, that also involved photographic phenomenon. And it's funny that a lot of that stuff happened about a decade or so before we got to a point in our own technology where things could be so easily and so convincingly faked yes. by so many people. Yeah. Like I always say that right now, you know, the big question is, well, everyone's walking around with a camera. Right. So why, why aren't there UFO pictures all the time? And of course the answer is, well, if there were, everyone is also walking around with a device that can fake UFO pictures. So what good would it do? Right. Yeah. But right. people are getting now people are getting more and more. There's a, yeah, I mean, the pictures. UFO There's, subreddit is it's... replete with stuff at this point. Yeah, but it's tough because, you know, yeah, even, even fact, at the level, do... look, I, I'm, yeah. I'm not a debunker. I'm barely a skeptic, but it's really hard to just point at film and go, there's your proof. Right. And it always comes back down to the same thing, which I think is what makes so much of this slightly outside the realm. <laughs> Okay, Scott, I did see a full figure apparition behind you. <laughs> My wife brought me some tea from Starbucks. Oh, yeah. we're saying that's tea. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yes. Um, yeah. um it, it it comes down to individual experience. And that's why I'm not sure 
a lot of this will ever get totally nailed down. I mean, think about it for a second. They spent over a year, at least once a week, gathering. It sounds like it was about 14 months before they got a, a couple of taps. Okay? Okay. Guys like us will say, how come science isn't really turning their attention to this phenomenon? Well, that's why. And there's a second reason. A made-up tulpa named Philip that knocks on a table, how do you make money from that? How do you use it in war? Oh, right? well, that's... Uh... Remote viewing is one of the only things that they've really spent a lot of time on because right. there is a military application for that and possibly also a monetary one, even if it's from a gambling point of view. Mm-hmm. But mostly these things are never going to earn anyone anything. They're not going to cure a disease and they're not going to be used to figure out a way to win wars. So money and time will never get spent on this stuff except on the amateur level. And and again, now we're back down to people being convinced or not convinced one human being at a time. Right. right. But I would say, Rich, though, that this was taken seriously by uh, some leading scientists of the day in their field. You talk about the fields of uh, physics, or uh, as it would have been known, uh, actually that that jo- subgenre had not been invented yet, I don't think, or classified as such. But uh, people were studying the, the physical world, that, and, and then you had chemists, and then you had uh, uh, Dr. James, uh, trying to think of his last name, the father of American psychology. So uh, William the, the James. Fields of, yeah. William James, yeah, William James. The, uh, the fields of psychology, uh, physics, uh, some chemistry, they were taking this seriously at first because it was such, it was a new thing. People are just like, people are claiming this thing. Maybe we should check into this. And they didn't have, uh, it wasn't quite as many of the, uh, the social, let's say, aspects, the hangups is that you could study this a little bit and not have your career ruined. Uh, you know, right. Uh, doctor, uh, you're, you're, like I said, uh, Sir William Crookes. As a, one of the you know some of the brightest minds of their day, we're we're checking into it. But I would say, what you're talking about uh, is you're right until there is perhaps a military application, which there was with Psy when the Russians started doing this, and not only with uh, their their looks, they're checking into PK with uh, uh, it, was, it wasn't Madame Mar- uh, Mar- Mar- Putin is still worried that. he's going to be remotely strangled. He is kind well, of concerned about with that. I have read that. If it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> well, there, there's a thing. You get enough people behind it. Who knows? Uh, it's, well, but here's the thing that, is that they, they were trying to use it for espionage. But, so then that's why we started uh, looking right. into it, this kind of silly thing. And again, nobody – but you're right. It's like you know, people say, well, that was a failure, but it, went, it was a 20-year failure with over uh, with $30 million uh, you know, initially set up for it. So here's the thing. You're right. And by the way, wait, $30 million is nothing. That's well, I mean, literally, uh, uh, it's almost literally nothing when you're talking about military budgets. So, well, here's the thing though. You're not building it. You're not building a cruise missile. $30 million of my tax dollars. Yeah. Individuals. And by the way, what you're talking about with William James and, and, and um, a, a lot of the people who were in the early SPR, who were they themselves scientists, they were still investigating as individuals. It wasn't like, oh, and then there's the big program at Oxford and Cambridge University, right. our department of parapsychology and seances. And right. of course, you know, I mean, again, money, the idea that money is being thrown at this to figure it out one way or another simply isn't true. And I get it. And the reason money isn't getting thrown at it 
is because there doesn't seem to be an immediate application that would turn into more money flowing back. Right. Well, that, that's the thing. If you, I mean, here's the thing. We uh, we're not going to get into it because uh, we got into a lot of trouble last time uh, dive, diving into it. And of course, people have already heard these these uh, suppositions, anyways. That people will say, well, they stopped the program, and uh, they stopped paying for it. Is when we're talking about military remote viewing applications. Uh, but there does seem to be it's still going on. Apparently, it's just that you know when some things and, and you you know this, Rich, is that when if you have if it exists at all. There is such a thing as where does all this money going into the Pentagon go? It's into a big black hole. It's like, you know, again, that's the whole thing. It's like, why does a toilet seat cover cost $600? Right. Why is a hammer $1,200? Right. Is that that's so you can hide the money, money you're goes, spending on remote yeah, viewing. Yeah. Well, there's, there's stuff that we, of course, we don't know. And we just think like, well, we haven't heard about it. So it must not be true. Of course, there's a lot of secret things that they're working on that they're paying for with billions of dollars that we just don't even know about. And I, of course, the figure bandied about is that there's a, there's a uh, I don't know several several hundred billion dollars just missing. So uh, where does all this money go? Well, I I do think they're they're checking into it. But here's the thing: when you're studying remote viewing, you're not building a cruise missile. It's not that expensive to conduct it. You have to pay people. There's a lot of uh, record keeping going on, but it's a relatively inexpensive activity to pursue. It's just right. it's mostly your mind and a lot of like I said, a, a laboratory setting. Uh, some record keeping going on, uh, maybe some video equipment, but it, it doesn't really cost that much to 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 keep it up. And I think that's part of why it went on for so long. Well, but but and, also, and, but you know, we don't. But my final point on this is that we just we don't know uh, what what the results are, yay or nay, or good or bad, or what they were doing. But uh, I do believe just because they said, well, we're not doing that anymore, I tend not to trust anything <laughs> that's coming out of any official so you're saying they outlet. might still be doing it and they might still be doing it in some low level kind of off the books way and hey maybe it works maybe it doesn't in the way that some police departments will sometimes consult with psychics because oh, they, who knows, they, well no know? they do here's but, the thing rich you talked about the social aspect we've heard uh uh i've read several reports from different uh uh, you know, quoted different uh, detectives in different departments saying, yeah, we we consult all the time. We just don't announce it because it makes us look like kooks. Like, you you guys don't know what you're doing. You're, you're, you're consulting Madame Cleo. It's like, yeah, we consult it, but we just, we don't announce it because of the way it looks. We said that happens all the time, far more than the public knows, because we don't have, there's no obligation to announce that uh, or, or how we got a tip or this or that or leads. So it probably happens a lot more just because we haven't heard it doesn't mean it doesn't go on. And also, uh, the other thing about, uh, you know, not knowing what's happening is my point just logically is like, I think after 10 years, five years, if it wasn't working, you weren't getting any results like this. Uh, you know, God bless these people. They were doing it for over a year with no results, but it turned into a social function. We meet every Tuesday and Wednesday or Tuesdays and Thursdays or just Thursdays for an mm -hmm. hour or two hours. And we have a little fun. We get together. We talk about the week's event. And then we try this thing. And that went on for a year. They, they kept doing it until a little after uh, a year was, was passed. They had somebody came up with a, with a good idea, which is a little akin to uh, the um, uh, trying to think of our, our our friend talking about uh, using the the uh, SB seven, uh, and uh, and try it's like well why don't you try doing it slightly differently, like I said have uh, Scott what is the uh, the Estes method that's it yeah is that the, the, that's <clears throat> been around those two separate things have been around for a long time you blindfold somebody see what their impressions are except why don't you try blindfolding the person uh, receiving uh, listening to the uh, the broken radio the SB seven spirit box 
and you have somebody else that they can't hear ask the questions. Why try you know separate that out? So uh, when uh, it was suggested that uh, they should try what, what instead of like the bright lights and all that and uh, you know and the real seriousness and and uh, and all that, why don't you try being lighthearted and try more the approach of the the 19th century seances and and tell jokes and sing songs and and chit chat and uh, and you know turn the lights down low i mean not not totally in the dark so you don't know you can't see what's going on but just like dim the lights a little bit play some music then they started to get results it's like you know my point about uh, getting looping this back to remote viewing is that i think logically uh you know the military being uh, the of the character there are and not so woo woo is that i think after five years if nothing was working they would have shut it down after 10 years more than 20 years right. it's like Jesus, spent 20 years. They could keep trying this, nothing with no results. Well, there, I think there was one little, source. Yeah. I need to look at this before we do part two, but there was one source that said they did do this for 10 years, that they kept going. But I also, you know, Melanie made a comment. Are you here, wait, uh, Scott, are you talking about uh, uh, are you talking about the Philip experiment? I'm talking going? about Philip, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then the, while I'm on, I can't respond, but this is a Daneberry Metal Detecting Club t-shirt. Uh, if you watch the show, you'll know. That's all I'll say. Yes. Okay. That's well, while I'm is. here, um, <laughs> I know that in 1973, a group got together to uh, study the paranormal, but in 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to military <laughs> court. Sent, Very nice. All right. Battling, by military commando. There we go. Yeah. Sent to prison go. by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. Yes. Now, these men promptly escaped from a maximum ah. security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still <laughs> wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, <laughs> And if you can find them, maybe you can hire once again. The A team. The A team. Uh, I love it when a, nice a T-shirt comes together. Rich. <laughs> uh, the other thing is, uh, Rich, how many openings to how many Stephen J. Cannell shows do you do you have memorized? <laughs> Just that one. Really? I'm working is... on Hardcastle and McCormick. It's, oh it's, yeah, it's a yeah. little tricky. That's Judge another good Milton one. Milton C. Hardcastle. I once saw William Cat driving around in L.A. In a, in, Ooh, the greatest in a Honda. hero. Yeah, and a little kind of like, I was like, oh, he's, he's, all he's got is a little Honda. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest American hero. All right, so I did, I want to yeah. redirect this a little bit. Um, I mean, we could, this is great conversation. Oh, and I, I uh, but yeah. I did want to talk about Melanie's comment about um, how there there isn't a control in this experiment and i i kind of agree with her there's not really a control in terms of what they're doing i mean they're trying to be taken seriously but they're um, not necessarily well what would a control be right for this what would a control be you tell me I, i'm not sure i guess it would be uh boy I, now that i think about it i'm not sure what the control would be it well would, I mean, okay I, there's two i think there's two aspects in the other area which we have not yet talked about which we're going to get to right now uh, the first, though, if you're talking about just the physicality of the table, uh, the physics of it is that yeah. what is okay. Uh, first, is, again, uh, going back to Faraday, because I, I and I love that it's it's really it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around explaining it all because it is that old timey language. But if um, he just did a very simple experiment, it's like okay, is this thing actually moving on its own? If not, what's moving it? How is it moving? You know, it's the very like I said, very basic scientific questions. And 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 methodology that he would do with any experiment. That's also very, he makes that very clear. It's like this is what I would do trying to figure out any any kind of uh, reaction, chemical, physical, whatever, electromagnetic. So he's breaking this down. It's like, well, this is what we have. Mm. Is is like what's moving this thing? So I think if you're talking about that kind of control, nowadays, of course, you would have uh, all kinds of uh, instruments measuring the movement of the table. You would have everything that he did as far as measuring, uh, you know, the amount of gravity, electromagnetism. 
uh, you would have camera, you know, 20 different cameras positioned to see what every, you know, like the, the camera, the lipstick camera underneath where the contact is made. Now that is one method of control. The other aspect that we're going to get to, uh, as soon as you, you, you fellows are done uh, talking about uh, the, the table aspect of it is that we're forgetting this, the second part, which is the intellectual connection here. And that is via the wrapping, the knocking, because it wasn't right. just the table tipping. They were talking to this thing in that, uh, and here's the thing. So uh, what I wanted people to, again, I probably did not uh, explain this very well. My apologies. And for part one is that the control there, and I thought this was very creative and, 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 uh, and I want to get Rich's opinion because this has to do with story. This has to do with, a fictional character, which Rich has uh, so uh, expertly crafted in his career, uh, in that here's the control, is that we create this fictional character. Now, he's just a really, I got the sense, is that Philip, it wasn't so much about, here's the thing, it, it could have been a byproduct where suddenly like, hi, I'm Philip from Aylesford, from the past. And he shows up, and it's like, oh my God, because that was one part of it. Could they manufacture or manifest or conjure a group hallucination of this Philip. They said that that could be possible. We don't really know what to expect. That was one aim because that would be pretty spectacular, especially if he got it on camera. Uh, but was just with a group, let's just see if we can focus on what this guy looks like, <coughs> develop this character. Uh, the woman who was responsible for that, uh, Susan, I believe, she, she was the the, uh, the chairperson of Mensa for Canada. So, uh, you know, so uh, she's no dummy. Uh, she's the one who, and again, was uh, very... Mm keen to English history. So she's the one in charge of drafting it. And they all agreed on a central character. So they're all imagining different types of Phillips is that they, they had this one very simple story, but the control with that is that they put in intentional historical errors in right. that if they conjured Philip and it says like, so Philip, uh, when you were at uh, Diddleston hall in 1480 he's like no 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 uh, that's the you know or you'd be like no one you know two knocks no okay did we get it wrong is the date actually 1580 he's like yet yeah, that no that's right and so he's like wait is he responding to the false narrative is, is he responding to actual history well didn't you say that that was the case with saint petersburg like they had him located or having visited St. Petersburg and the spirit agreed with that, except when they looked at it, they realized that that given the time frame of Philip's life, St. Petersburg was a swamp, was not actually right. a city. Right, wasn't there, yeah. Okay, so, okay, so you know again, it, it feels like, yeah, they, you know, this was a creation of their shared false knowledge there by the way there's another well thing. They, they intentionally though because they knew that they intentionally put in some incorrect details to see right. how f the knocking if they first of all they didn't know if they get knocking they they eventually did uh they wanted to see if this thing would respond you know say that's the control well that was the original title it? of the book you know don't right. knock it <laughs> well <laughs> oh. all right so wait uh rich one last thing though Am is that no, okay. sorry. I just <laughs> here's the thing. If well, I don't ask the question, I don't. Yeah, I guess just <laughs> call me when you're done. All right. <laughs> if we don't, if I don't ask this, that it, it gets passed over. Finally, the thing okay, I Forrest, to, now to know from us. Rich okay. is that this is we and we did mention this in in part one. Now you're talking uh, hungry ghost territory, siren call. Is that like, well, where this person? Like, wait a second, why well, I, I can't, uh, you know, my version of that Greek island or whatever. Like, yeah, it's off a little bit, but what do you, what are you getting on my case for? It's like, whoa, uh, you were just inaccurate. So we just want to check on that. And 
obviously this is more than knocks and raps uh but why are you getting this wrong and and then it's kind of like chat gpt3 it's like um, so you know you work for cbs or nbc what's the difference like big tv to the three lettered uh, names whatever it's kind of the same thing uh, i was talking about the leslie stahl uh, 60 minutes interview where it got her bio wrong you know she, she worked for uh you know six for tw yeah, over 20 I've, years I've at nbc with it. It, it it's horrible with facts horrible with yeah. Facts. yeah is that and somebody else had mentioned in our comments is that is that then similar this ai to something like an ethereal uh AI. siren Ooh. call wow well, that's an interesting I, I, I think I think what you want to get down to it's sort of like EVP. People will argue, well, it's not saying that word, it's saying this word. And I'm sitting here saying, why are we hearing anything at all? Yeah. If this was a tape right. recording made in a silent room, yeah. Isn't isn't the very fact that there is what sounds like human speech. Yeah. Isn't that kind of the the basic thing we need to figure out and forget about if they are a ghost and they're trying to express how they died or anything. Why is the thing happening? That's what it sounds like these people were doing. Okay. And I would just, I want to talk, I want to move from the tilting to this, to the rapping sounds. But first I want to bring up the table cam. <laughs> and then it's Nixie cam. Why is it muted? Ed, make the, it. make the table cam the main image here and i'm going to show you like what the one thing right so <laughs> thank god he's wearing light, pants right i'm sitting at the table by myself you can see me actually ed go get bring up the other camera too because it shows another angle of me um my uh or if you have to go back to all of a sudden i'm not sure the best way to do that oh um because you can see yeah so so my hands are on the table here Obviously, you're going to see that I'm probably what I'm doing is like, you know, okay, right. The shaking is kind of easy to do. The tilting, ooh, ooh, like I'm by myself here. But imagine if lots of people were here and see how it's kind of wobbling around. And when I, when in the, in the video that we were looking at and it tilts over, it takes the slightest pressure. And imagine if I had seven or other people here all focused on the same thing physically. It only takes the slightest pressure, my hands are on the top, to tilt it towards me like this. And then once it gets balanced, you don't even have to do anything, right? So, and then when you get it up, if you, just with my pinky off the far edge of this very lightweight one, and I'm one person of this table, I can get this up on the one leg. And then once it's up there, you don't have to do anything, right? Can you tilt it away from yourself? Yeah. Uh, let's see. With me staying over there? Yeah, like you're, you're no, on one side cannot, and the, and the table cannot. lifts up well, and tilts. On the carpet, yes, I guess I can a little bit. It's not easy. I'm, I am I have to cheat my fingers off the edge to do that, which I did not see them doing in that video. It's easier to go side to side. Right, right, right. Yeah, sure. And then once you once you get it up on one leg, though, it's, uh, well, actually, no, the other way. It all It all depends on how you're arranging it. But that's, you know, that's very easy to play around with. Yeah. If you imagine all these different hands on it, but like the other thing that they said was in the where I can't slide this on carpet. They said it was on carpet, deep pile carpet. Yeah, so it was the 70s, 70s baby. Huh? <laughs> it's the 70s baby. Yeah. Yeah, of course it was deep shag or probably burnt orange. Right. Avocado, <laughs> avocado green. Uh, but I just, I wanted to show, so like to me, 
it's kind of like the whole planchette question and Ouija board and all that stuff and the idiomotor idea, which we're going to talk about in part two, but just that's what they, what Faraday was trying to identify. Mm. Yeah. And so are people manipulating this? And it's not hard, but especially with that many hands on the table from a force standpoint, very, very little would be taken to, to so, do the stuff where the leg stays on the ground. In coming yes, off the that ground, one, that's yeah, a whole for that one trick, coming off the ground or just moving laterally, like I said. Yeah. And that's what Faraday was doing. And he didn't have a group of people. He had one person. Uh, again, with their hand on on the stack of uh, sheets of cardboard with little balls of uh, uh, he used wax mixed with turpentine, which yeah. he called a cement. He said it it gives a little. It's enough tack, uh, but and I thought this was brilliant. It was enough tack to so the cards just don't roll off, yeah. but it, not so much that they're like glued and you could push the table lat you know laterally. So he said uh, because he said the hands had to have a little motion, but not so much that uh, they just roll off you know the edge of the table with the card detached. So right. what he noticed is that they were moving uh, in in all different kind of combinations, but basically he, the hands started to move and then the table kept up with it, but sometimes not. Right. Uh, and sometimes it didn't go in the direction the person was trying to move. It went in the opposite direction. So the mental connection here has a lot to do with it. Uh, but basically, be before you get into that, uh, too, Rich is also, uh, this reminded me a lot, and, uh, and we talked about this in part one, uh, the information coming from this more so of a ghost in the vertical plane. And that having factual historical errors or at least people saying like, wait a second, that place wasn't built yet. You know, uh, and I can't remember the one Abbey that he said uh, he, uh, that he started is he was like two or three or four years off. And so uh, it's the all other, just you know what the other thing that was happening and something that sorry to interrupt. But the other yeah. thing that and I, again, I meant to mention this in part one and I forgot we'll bring it up in part two for mm. sure. But is that uh, a lot of times the questions were getting answered before they were finished being asked, which to me is a sign of a more paranormal you know, that's a harder thing to refute. That happens a lot with EVPs. You get uh, for when you're getting clear verbal responses as opposed to like Sally House ones, but more of the ones where you hear clear words and there are plenty of those out there. Oh, well, where Scott, the question, it, yeah. The question gets answered before it's even finished being asked. When I see that, that's like one of those things to me, like that's a red flag that you're dealing with a real phenomena here because that's, you know, that's cheating time. And also your intent, it's getting ahead of your intent, which is pretty amazing. That's not something where you can just like grab a table and move it up on the thing. That's like, right. how are you doing that? Do we know if there was any um, footage? It looks like all of this was done for the special. Like, it, it, were they yes. always running a camera every time they did this? Do they have any no, personal... Well, yeah, there's other. Uh, here's the thing. You you can. Uh, I believe if you were deep in the weeds in this or knew somebody with them, because what they said is that they they of course took photos and I believe some video, either uh, probably 16 millimeter footage, uh, film footage, or uh, or maybe videotape at their where they were doing the experiments. What we're seeing here is what's uh, some of it's what's been done for uh, as as Scott will probably show in this next clip uh, for a TV special where we will hear the knocks. Uh, being recorded in a studio setting with an audience, uh, but they it, so the other footage that they took for themselves, and I think the stills and and uh, whatever video, I'm sure that is with the Psychical Research, uh, you know, Institute in Toronto. But it, you would have to ask them. Like I said, they just didn't put that all out because their intent was uh, when Iris Owen uh, had the book is like we will share all this 
we're not going to try and publicize these people's names now, but if you're serious about researching this, which and eventually not just, all their names came out, but yeah, well, but if they said you can, you can, we will give you all this information if, but you have to prove to us that you're not just going to like, you know, make fun of us in the, in the, in the I, papers. I really would like to know, it'd be great to see these specials or the, or the one, if there's only one from beginning to end, just to see how they contextualize the footage because right. There are questions, obviously, you were able to move a table in a way that looked kind of like what they were doing to a certain extent, but also were, how many cameras were there? There's clearly editing going on. So it's like, well, it's not and, just like, okay, one shot beginning to end, like right. a security camera. Here's right. It's like, okay, we're yeah. jumping around a little bit. So there's, with with every step, there is more construction to the narrative that we're seeing. Which... Well, okay, so that and that brings me to my next point because even though I am a little incredulous of of the tilt table tilting overall, like I I'm not saying I don't believe it. I'm just saying I don't think it would be hard to hoax it, even unknowingly, unconsciously. I I don't think. But we have to look at uh, like Forrest was saying, we have to look at the Faraday experiments because he did some really complicated stuff with the papers and, you know, and it's hard to decode sure. it because it's written in 1800s. Like it's an, it's a report from the 1800s. I'm still not sure what it's saying. We're still working on decoding it, but it seems well, like he was it, yeah. saying the table was appeared to be moving on its own, but the rapping sounds, that's another thing. I don't know how that works because I mean, obviously an accomplished musician could somehow make that happen. <laughs> But if we look at and if, if anybody's thinking her accent is great, Oh, by the way, Indy Stale, uh, yes, the table did they claim the table did move by itself across the room yes. on uh, several occasions where when nobody was touching it. Yes. Right, right. I remember that. This table, all right. So I want to point out something here. This is in one of the two specials. One of them's like 13 minutes, the other one's seven. I didn't think we should play the whole things here. I mean, anybody right. can get to these links, but you're right, Rich, and for all you know, all three of us have experience in production and post-production and all that. So you start, you you recognize when something is being staged or not or whatever. But in this particular thing, this table was a heavier wooden table that they moved to because the card table um, died. One of the card tables just got destroyed. <laughs> this is a wooden table, and this is on the stage. They're going to bring a mic down on it and try to get the rapping sounds. And on top of that, it's upside down on the floor. Okay. Right. And I don't think this is staged because this is the one that has an, a live audience that Forrest was talking about. Oh, have a nice big and you'll see the mic like coming that. down here in a sec. Good. Yeah. Now, that was the loudest rap of the evening. Let me try that again. Perform, you should have a nice big pint of beer. Would you like that? Good. It was a little yeah. knock in there, just one. Perform, you should have a nice big pint of beer. Would you like that? Yes. Now, that was the but then there's more. Run it again for a second. Okay. It's immediately after she finishes speaking. Get the knock sound. Okay, but now look at that. That was really interesting because they said they would they would um, track each other so the, the the two hands at the very top you can see her middle finger sort of moving up and down they're yes. not creating the rap but they're moving and then the other guy puts his hand on her saying basically don't do that okay don't do that because we're we're getting something here yes so, so don't, exactly we don't want anyone thinking you're doing it exactly but watch it again yeah 
six pints of beer. Would you like that? See, there you go. Good. Yeah. Your fingers are moving. No, there's some more here. You see, they've got the mic. They're bringing the mic down. There's the host. This is theoretically, this is live. That's the youngest guy, Sydney, there. They would sing these silly songs. Would you like two bubbles of beer? Oh, the situation. Yes, a little bit louder. A little louder than that. Now all hands are visible. Let's just hear you. There. Yeah. Hear the rap. Now all hands are visible. Let's just dwell on this point. All hands are visible at this point. Yet the raps are clearly coming from, it would appear, certainly from within that table. Let's try it again. Philip, give us a good, loud, clear rap. For one bottle of beer. Uh, louder than that. Come on, louder, Philip. Louder for two. Come on, Philip. Philip, if you want a bottle of beer, rap loudly. That's just... Louder, Philip. Come louder. on, Philip, louder. It comes to microphone. It has to be louder, Alan won't buy it. Come on, Philip. Come on. What? Right, I didn't hear right you. Right under the microphone, Philip. Right here, Phil. Yeah. Right here. Right here. Well, he's doing it over come on, come on, Philip. Louder and louder. Come on, Louder. Louder. That's better. Oh, good for you, Philip. That is, that's a pronounced one. Well, he's doing it over Come on, Philip. Louder and louder. Louder. That's oh, good for you, Congratulations, Philip. Congratulations, Philip. You imaginary character. I'm, um, I wish I could give you a beer. Philip's still waiting for that beer. Exactly. Yeah, so, they, here's it. I listen the entire time I was listening to part one. I, you know, and I'm sure a lot of listeners do this where they're, you know, shouting and yeah carrying on a conversation with you guys. And the thing that I kept thinking, because you hear about this and it's like, well, this is about as unscientific, you know, a bunch of people and they're all singing songs and, and, and goofing around and, 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 and lowering their, their sort of hawk-like vigilance, which a scientist or a debunker or a skeptic would, would expect. But I will say this. And Scott, your wife will know exactly what I'm talking about, as will you. This is what I do every day. Yeah. Get into a room with a particular group of people. Everyone come in with a really good attitude. Everyone get in a really good mood and try to create something that never existed before. Right. That's a really good point, yeah. Rich. Yeah. And That's and what a writer's you, room is. That's all a writer's room is. That's what an improv group is. <clears throat> And the, and the one rule of improv isn't no, no, no. The yes, rule of and. improv is yes and. Mm -hmm. Be open. Expect something good to happen. Fake it till you make it. And I'm serious because there have been situations like this in these paranormal study groups where it's like sometimes you even have to fake the phenomenon for a while just to kind of – Everyone, and I don't mean you fake it and then go out in the world and say it's true. Right. I mean, you just, it's like, let's just, let's just do it. What if something did happen? Let's just all believe it's going to happen, you know? And then, 
and then at a certain point, let the actual thing take over. And we did that in a writer's room all the time. It's like, well, and and again, M knows it as well as anyone. You know, you always start an idea with, okay, well, not this. This is dumb. This is stupid. But what if? Yeah. And so you you pitch a bunch of bad ideas, yeah. hoping it'll spark a good one. Right. Again, you you don't just sit there going, no one speak until you have the idea that is the episode, and then right. we'll know that creativity is real. Right. You you play, and that's what they're doing. And it's so interesting that it's the same approach. And I really think, I mean, it's a group dynamic. <clears throat> and yeah, we're not in a writer's room trying to make the table levitate. But we're trying to do something even more impossible. Entertain America. <laughs> <laughs> and more and more important to the, at the end of the day. But Richie, you uh, you sparked on one of the core precepts, concepts, uh, it, you know, bullet points of this whole experiment and that this keeps popping up in, in all the reading I've been doing uh, is that a lot of this has to do with intention and if you want to get uh current uh you know what's all the rage nowadays in uh you know the the metaphysical verse of uh of tiktok and all these people do uh is manifestation manifest this manifest that and it's another uh extension of uh you know was it 15 10 years ago uh was uh oprah and the secret and one of the uh you know, I think one of the doctors that was involved with that, he said, well, you 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 took that the wrong way in that uh, it's not just if you wish for a Lamborghini, it shows up. It's like and that was kind of the tone, like, well, people can get on board with that. That's terrific. That's what manifesting is. I'm going to manifest a, a, a giant mansion for myself. So it's not uh, I can't remember the, the doctor's name. He said, like, people ran with that and took it the wrong way. What his point was that it's uh, it's having the intention and the uh in the mindset and what arg owen says about this well first of all uh that's also what uh michael faraday was saying is that it has to do in his words a lot with the uh the mindset of the person and uh let's see if i can uh find my notes here about uh essentially it's about um as he, as he says there is that uh he, no he said believe no less in the integrity of the people but uh, he believed that intention or expectation, and that is a huge part of this, of the movers right. had an influence upon the effect and affected the success or failure. As, well, isn't uh, that isn't that the same as the placebo effect in a lot of ways? Well, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, yeah it ties in with it. And here's the thing: if you uh, there's so many cases of people with this, even terminal illnesses. Uh, one one case, uh, famously, of guy having uh, multiple tumors, and his doctor said, "Well, look, this guy's so far this far gone." I'm going to, there's an experimental drug that came out that the guy had read about in a scientific journal because he's trying to cure himself as well. And so the doctor pretended to give him this, uh, he said, hey, can I get that trial? I was like, well, there's no, you know, there's no efficacy that's been proven yet, but he gave him a placebo. And the guy believed so much that this is going to cure him that uh, the tumors went away. Then the guy, then then that was all fine and great. A year later, they find out like, uh, oh, guess what? We did all these uh, further studies and uh, it's not that there's no real efficacy here. And the guy believed that, and the tumors came back, and he passed. So it's that's like a, you, d d that's a great story, regardless. Yeah, well, it's it's all about like, <laughs> the, the part of it here too is is intention, and it's it's also something yeah. that uh, ARG Owen says, uh, talking about Jan Murta, another psychic. Who again, if you read up on him, all these people, a lot of them are characters, and there's some unsavory story connected to them, or somewhere uh, you could you could point to them being charlatans. But what he said, uh, which we did mention in in part one, is that uh, Owen said. Uh, 
you know, how we, how we describe Mr. Murta doing his, his thing here was he put himself deliberately into a relaxed state of mind in which he would, quote, unquote, intend the stopping or starting of a of the feather and this is like moving a feather of floating water or on a on a string and uh without strongly willing it to happen so this is a big point i want to make in uh in part one is the guy didn't just sit there like you know till his nose bled uh like the the michael ironside movie uh which i, which I really like that was uh remember that that was um uh mike cronenberg uh my yeah the scanners name. guys and scanners i couldn't there's scanners guys. scanners <laughs> he had to pop in for that thank you uh there's 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 four cinephiles here and thankfully he had the uh he had the answer you know what i'm saying you're not sitting there like ah until your nose bleeds and your head explodes is that you don't will it you you just have the intention and not only that for it to work uh and this is coming up big in in intention uh you know manifestation chat is that you have to have the expectation that it will work and just mm -hmm. believe it because yeah. it takes all these components but what you're talking about and this is the same thing uh, again with, uh, with no uh, dr carpenter there you have to have the realization exactly for it to work if it will maybe there is a spoon i don't know and it's like yeah. that, not, not gonna happen yeah dr carpenter said so, it also it, that once that idea gets planted in your head it's so strong that you know scott and i were talking about this with with hypnosis uh, Dr. Carpenter, also in the 1850s, was was finding, you know, with the hypnosis that it's not that the hypnotist wills you to do something, right? Like click like a chicken, or uh, tell you that it's getting so hot, uh, or uh, actually they can raise a blister on you, just with your intention. Is that it's not him willing that to happen, the hypnotist. It's him in that physical state. We talked about this earlier about being in that calm, relaxed state, like Mr. Murta or anybody who's been under hypnosis is that you are now open to suggestion and it's the power of suggestion that is causing this and that the idea is planted in your head by this outside external force of the hypnotist saying, Rich, the room is really hot where you are. It's getting so hot, you're, you're, you wanna take off your sweater. It's like, now you're just, it's just, it's its about 95, the thermostat's broken. And this you will break already out, working on me. I'm, I'm, yeah, no. you will break out into it, a sweat. Is Forrest trying to get us to take <laughs> I am our trying shirts to, off? Uh, How is that him? <laughs> <laughs> wait is it are you talking about the picture or is that uh, or are you talking about me that's no that's uh Mesmer? oh these are like these are is what what is yeah. this mechanic oh geez. oh james brad oh so, hypnosis stuff yeah, yeah. So, so so the idea though is that uh, i'll end with um, this and then i'll uh, toss it to you is that it's not the person willing this for you to do this because you're still under control of your own self is that the idea that this is going to happen or that this is the case is so strongly planted in your own mind your own imagination causes the physiological reaction and by right. extension could be moving the table that's right. that's my point here because you will you you can yeah. get a blister you can get a blister on your arm you can start to sweat yeah. your teeth will chatter if you think it's cold because not because the guy said like rich you're so cold your teeth are chattering he's just putting it in your mind like ooh, there's icicles in your room it's very cold in there like your mind go oh my god it is right. and you create yeah, and the reality it, i guess it's mind over matter a moment ago i was going to go back to um to evp when you were saying that that the um the overt mental intention is not necessarily the key to all of it in the early days of evp back in the you know 60s and 70s they would people who wrote about it who had discovered it and experimented on their own would say really just turn the tape recorder on and then don't even think about it. Yeah. You can leave the room. You can sit there and read. 
you don't have to be thinking about dead Grandpa Joe and going, please, Grandpa Joe. Sometimes you can just start the recording, ask a general question if you feel like it, and then just let it run for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, and then go back and listen to it. And actually, people had much more success when they kind of, it was a set it and forget it kind of mode rather than, no, no, no. I prayed and prayed and prayed. And then finally I got, I love you from, you know, my, my parent who I always needed to hear those words from that actually doesn't work. So it's very strange that, 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 that again, it's like, we all know why we're here, but for the moment, let's just forget about it. And again, it goes back to a writer's room. People don't show up in a writer's room at 10 a.m. and at 10.01 are going, okay, so who's the bad guy? How do we end act two? Right. You spend the first long amount of time just chatting about other things, talking about the news, what you did on the weekend, just goofing around, just in, you'll get to it, you'll get to the work. And then when you do get, yeah, what's for lunch? There you go. And when you do get to the work, suddenly it's like, because it's, I think it, feels like it's been brewing in the back of your mind and then suddenly people are like okay here's the thing and suddenly within 15 minutes you'll break half the episode mm-hmm. and you've been there for three hours but only 15 minutes of it has been spent actually doing the actual work but the first two hours and 45 minutes that was work too that was yeah, getting right. it set up and yeah. again it just it reminds me of everything these people are doing no, you, you hit on a, on a great point here because that's the success of it. And Rich, would you say that there is a collective, uh, no, I'm say psychotic, a, a psychic uh, connection happening? That's a, because, again, creative is uh, what Edgar Casey would call that high play, where you're, you know, it's, it's one of the highest forms of human expression music, creativity, writing, a comedy, uh, all these things that are happening. Uh, and when you, focus all that energy together in the room and it takes a little while for that to get going and again you could speed it up and say you didn't have to sit here every thursday for for three hours every week until you finally wrote a script is that you you show it up in the first three hours or two hours you're just kind of uh, shooting the breeze you're kind yeah. of gelling talking about this you're reading the paper you're you're tossing jokes around because you have to all kind of get in it takes a little bit to get into the sink and then once you do have, are you in the zone do you feel a right. zone coming upon you uh, yes, and um, one bad apple. You have one person in that room who's sitting there with their arms crossed. Oh, yeah. And all they're doing is going, nope, that doesn't make sense. That idea doesn't make sense. Nope. Yeah, that Emily called that in, in, the, in the writer's room. She would say uh, the logic police. And the logic police right. come in. And like, especially if you're on a comedy where crazy crap's happening all the time anyway, and then suddenly you're concerned about this unrealistic <laughs> thing after right. you've you know, been doing yeah. it forever. Or, or just a bad <laughs> attitude kind of person, yeah. you know? And yeah. they can ruin it for everyone. And it's like, well, how does that ruin it? I mean, everyone else who is smart and talented without that person Shouldn't they be able to come up with all of their ideas and stuff? And you yeah. will see a room stop in its tracks. And sometimes it's not even that overt. Yeah. And and you'll also have people who have worked multiple seasons on a on a very on a certain show. We'll talk about, oh, you know, we've been doing the show for 10 years, but the magic season four and five, that group of people, mm-hmm. man, we were just 
just nailing it week after week after week. And then so-and-so got another job and -and so-and-so moved. Then we got some new people and we still did good. But man, it's not that golden age of those, that that one room that just hummed. Well, same thing with these people, you know? And you hear about it all the time, these, these, uh, these groups, these sort of seance groups. And sometimes you, you, you get effects and then someone leaves and someone else comes in and nothing's been happening. And then suddenly it starts and it's like, ah, we got the right mix. We don't know why we don't know how we don't even know what, but we got it. Yeah. 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 It's the same. Well, that's the thing on uh, the, the limited number of ghost hunts I've been on. Uh, and I, I, you know, Scott and I will talk about something and it's like, did I end up in the show? I can't remember. I, I'm sure I didn't mention this, but, uh, and, and Rich having listened to it, uh, and also I expect myself to big chunks of uh, my blathering to get cut. So <laughs> it may not have ended up in there and that's totally fine by me. It should happen. I need to, I need to be edited with a sharp pencil, but the idea is that, uh, you know, one, something that Scott said about the, the answer coming before the question that did happen on an EVP that is one of the best I've ever got with the DR60, but I have to transfer it. It was too hard to play with that crummy speaker coming out into the into the mic in the into the good microphone here for us to to listen. Also, we're on a Zoom, but it's one of the best I've ever captured. And again, the context is hard to say if it was a direct answer, but that that was at uh, with Jill and Roger at uh, the Talbot Inn, and I had it going, uh, basically running on. Um, voice activation so it's not just record and let it run is that i'm about to ask it something and before i start speaking you know i could see it that you know what's kind of cool is that this thing will start flashing because it's picking up something that you can't hear but you know it's recording something as if i were speaking into it the voice actuator light is is going off so as i'm doing it it's like i have it going for a little bit and then i say is there anyone here in this room uh, that would like to to speak with us, and and do you have something to say to us? And when you play it back, before I ask that, it says, "Get the uh, uh, now." Was it say? <laughs> Sorry, because it's very it's very comical. And you know very which apropos. file that is, Forrest? Uh, it is. I haven't transferred it yet, so it's not. It's not. Oh, okay. Because uh, I'm in. The, I'm I've got. I've got a Talbot in folder right here with. No, no. This is the. This would be the year. The second year we went back there, and oh, okay. uh, we got different stuff. But like. Oh, here's what it was. Get the F out. Leave me alone. Now, it, again, it was but so clear when we that played to back. you all the time for us. So. <laughs> not, yeah, but to my face. It's, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, it doesn't end up on a note passed under the door. or And not before recording. you show up. Yeah, so exactly. It's like, typically you've been phone, there Hold on a second. Like, you know, let me record this and I play it back. It's, uh, we were all standing there. It's like, it, and so here's the thing, Scott, you will know the operation of this is that, it's not a different or its own file. This ended up as a response before I asked the question. And it is, yeah. uh, it is in apropos. It is in context. What, what would you like to say to us? Well, what I would like to say is get the F out of my room and don't come back here again because y'all are annoying. And, uh, and everybody who stays here is doing the same damn thing is I just leave me alone. And, uh, so anyway, that was one of the clearest ones I got. Roger said, you know, at the time, he's like, I think that's a class A, meaning that like that's, it's pretty unmistakable. The second thing, um, you know, I kind of want to say is as far as like everybody uh, gelling at some point is the same thing happens. And I'm, I'm apologies if you've already heard this in part one is that it can happen on ghost hunts. And it's like, I'm look, I'm a noob uh, coming into this, uh, a, a neophyte. And 
uh, and you think that uh, you have to be very, and that is a type of, uh, of of ghost hunting is that you're very quiet. Like I said, don't don't tap the table, keep your fingers still, so we know we can rule that out, and that's what you want to do. Um, and you can get some amazing things where there's no one else in the house. That's why they call it a lockdown. Uh, any anybody any self-respecting uh, uh, operator or whatever, or the tour guide or whatever. They don't want to have, and some places have done this where they've caught, uh, you know, them them judging the results or something, or having speakers, and then it's usually like it's it's too much Disney haunted house, like woo, as Scott was doing earlier. The thing is, is that uh, you just leave the house alone because you will get some results, uh, and you're you're very quiet. But I a, a couple of nights, and this has happened at the uh, the Randolph Infirmary, where there were some odd things that happened uh, to other people. Of, of the uh, of the eight of us uh, initially, and then it was at the end of the evening. Those uh, you know, basically uh, those folks were were gone. It was just really the three of us left, and uh, just myself, Jill, and Roger at this at this point. And once we kind of like, okay, it's three thirty in the morning. We're going to wrap this up. We start putting the gear away and we pare it down, and we're telling anecdotes and jokes and stories, and we're laughing. That's when the uh, the stuff started going off the REM pods, uh, like static meter, because the levity and the feeling uh, lightened. And and we were noticing, like, have you noticed, like, this has been the most active part of the whole evening here, even when we were kind of sneaking around with the camera and I've got, uh, you know, the uh, the night vision going and, and the REM pods and, like, you would get little things here. But now everything's kind of going off because it's the energy in the room in the living room there was suddenly up and we're having fun. And that was the idea of the Philip experiment. Like you're all starting off in bright lights, uh, you know, hoping because that's, again, that was part of the, uh, the specifications. Can this happen when it's not totally pitch dark, dark, or you got 10, you know, 20 candles going, can this happen any place, anytime with anybody uh, from any background or because they don't want to have a medium, a psychic medium in there. Uh, they want to see if this could be generated by regular folks who were of the more skeptically minded. Yeah. And and so once you change the parameters and you start, that's why, like I said, it makes the videos or the films hard to watch because everyone's chattering, they're singing 99 bottles, they're bare on the wall, and you want them to shut up so you can hear the knocks or you can right. hear the uh, the table shuffling. And so uh, the idea, though, is that, uh, but that's also part of it, is that nothing was happening when they were like very quiet, like, Philip, you know, speak to us. And then two hours go by with nothing. And it's like once they started singing and telling jokes and being like, Philip, you want that? You want your bottles of beer? It's like, oh, yeah, I want a, I want a beer. Now, who knows what that is? With well, the one knock even the if it's knocks. just even if it's just the people in the room, you know, even if it's just the eight people, when when it's uh, pitch black, you, you it's very hard to understand what's happening. I mean, even for an individual to be able to go, OK, here's what was happening. Like, okay, I heard something, you know, or I thought I saw a flicker of light somewhere. It, it it actually doesn't help, even on the individual level, much less for anyone outside the group to believe it. So the fact that they got some stuff in full light, I mean, at least I think I think it helps a little. I mean, I don't know. There might be neurologists out there who say, well, no, because there's there's a lot of information coming at you and it's easy to miss something that might be important but you didn't notice it and it, it, that's the reason you heard something mm -hmm. 
Well, yeah, that's what uh, uh, Joel Wittens was saying, is that he believed it was a group, uh, subconscious, uh, what does he use, the, the phrase he used, Scott, was a uh, self-defense mechanism, which I t- t- yeah. didn't totally understand, is that, is it your subconscious trying to, is it whistling through the graveyard uh, in a way, or what is the defense mechanism exactly? We may be talking about that more in part no. two, but that was his conclusion. Okay, so okay, so it's gonna start tilting toward the guy who's kneeling. Yeah. What's interesting to me is if we could compare his arm movements to your arm movements when you were doing that. Yeah, I was um, kind of pushing remember, down. He does not look like he's doing what I was doing. Yeah, like like people look at the Patterson Gimlin film and they talk about the musculature and, yeah. and sort of you wouldn't see that under a suit. And I think you could probably look at this and go, okay, well, which muscles in his arms and his shoulders are contracting and right. the way his arm is bending? I, just for him, it's hard. The other people in the back, it's a little bit harder to see. Plus, you they can't couldn't see really if somebody on the on angle. the side that's coming up. We can't see from here if someone's got their thumb under the edge of the table or something. But no. in theory, when they were filming this, people were looking out. And when the hands come up, it doesn't look like anyone's even near the no. edge, honestly. And it looks like his hand sort of slid up a little. Yeah, yeah. So it's not really at a great – but again, if it's people on that other side – and it could, people, it could be people on the far side. I mean, this is not – we're not watching impossible data. Right. Right. Not, it's not like footage from the thing where, you know, monsters are <laughs> bursting out of people and running yeah. across the floor. You know, even for full light, there's a lot of shadow. It's it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. This just looks absolutely staged. It looks absolutely staged. I mean, yeah. I, I would love to get some context. But in this shot, it you know, maybe it's more real. I don't know. But well, mostly, plus that's Ricky Jay. So Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. And there in this stuff, that just is all reenactment, if you ask me. It has so, to be. Yeah. It these looks these like shots are too Yeah. Yeah, in, in the in the seventies, Rich. Let me ask you. I mean, there's only one answer here. You know that, fellas, is that uh, with Ed here as the overseer, we're going to have to try this ourselves, and that goes for everybody <laughs> listening to us now. Everybody in the everybody well, who yeah. believes or doesn't believe, because yeah, and I don't, I don't think this it's, is safe, it's unprovable. Part. It is. Yeah. that's and my conclusion. Way, it is totally unprovable, and you're only going to have to do this yourself to to make your own assessment because there's no video. There's nothing that you're going to see that's going to convince you one way or the other. It's yeah. hard to believe with this group th- that these evenings don't start with everyone throwing their car keys into a bowl. Oh, gee, why, Rich, is this, why, I, I know this is a little uh, more relaxed fit here, but why do you have to, you always have to like make this uh, uh, with the R rating. It was the 70s. I'm telling you that no one meets twice a week. Yeah. Believe me, a lot of people showed up to these things hoping something would happen. Well, there's, uh, I don't think with this group, uh, that's one of the most, this bit here is one of the most convincing bits to me here where it's rotating around on one leg. None of their hands seem like they're doing any mechanical. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. You'd have to, you'd have to press down and have a little bit of a grip on it. Yeah. Uh, But again, you're, we're, we're not seeing all the evidence, you know, we're not seeing everything. We're, we're kind of like making an assessment. Well, I would love it if people in the listening audience and the viewing audience would do this because this was a thing that went on. There were small groups of experimenters who they would get together once a week and do this all over the world. I'm sure. I don't think it's done currently. I would recommend this way over hanging out and experimenting with a Ouija board, try this and try it the way they read the book. You can still find used copies. 
and and see if you can get anything going. And if you can, let us know. I, or, uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily looking for proof or like, you know, okay, make sure to film it and, you know, but I would... I would be really interested literally in anyone in, in your listening audience reporting back with EVPs, seance phenomenon, table tilting, raps, any of this sort of stuff that's yeah. done intentionally. You've had people call in and tell ghost stories, things that have happened to them. But I'm curious if there's any people who just with a group of friends and again, forget breaking into an abandoned mental asylum, <laughs> you're going to get arrested or you're going to break a leg or get tetanus. Just find someone who's got a house in a spare room and just try this stuff and see what happens. I'd be very curious. Rich, have you ever uh, participated in any kind of uh, seance? No, we just have not any any psychical uh, shenanigans. Nothing. No, I haven't even tried EVP, which would be the easiest. It, it was just even even the one time I thought I was going to try it, I I became so scared I never listened back to the tape. <laughs> Because wow. the Did notion, you? Yeah. well, they tell you what you're supposed to do is, you know, put on headphones. Yeah. And then, uh, and and often there's some sort of, um, you know, white noise. And then they say, turn it way up loud. <clears throat> now, I'm sorry. I'm really going to put on headphones and turn it really, really loud for half an hour. Yeah. Perched and poised on, on the precipice of something terrifying is going to happen in my ears really loud. It's just scary. I can't do it. It's well, first of all, it's not really loud. Also, that's that's the analog way of doing it. You don't have to have a, a screaming white noise in your ears. And the other thing is that it could be pleasant or or playful. Uh, it's not always it's not always scary. But here's True. Rich, did you ever go back to the washing machine house of uh, of the anecdote that you told us once about on on the air? You know, you... I never went to that house. I was never physically I, in that okay, house. Okay, I, I thought at some yeah. point you may have I know it's your friend's house who was house sitting for a couple of weeks uh, when all the activity happened but i thought maybe you had been uh, there to visit you know, what i've done um in uh, by way of investigating haunted locations is i've gone to the uh the high-end steakhouse in burbank uh where <laughs> why is he not here where wait. scott went into the bathroom <laughs> and all the faucets turned on after oh no uh, wait a second with that bathroom? I thought that remember was North Carolina. Scott, come back here. No, 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 no. Scott, remember you were at Morton's in, in yeah, uh Yeah, I was trying to go to the bathroom just now. You had to tell that story right now. <laughs> All right. So yes, I was tell at it again. Tell it again, Morton's, Scott, tell it again. Morton's Steakhouse in Burbank. And uh, I told this on our hundredth episode. During it was Arcapalooza, where we had all our uh, researchers were telling stories, and some of us. And uh I was thinking about a, a very dear departed friend who I still think about pretty much weekly, who was a good well, friend. last of, week as we talked about him. Yeah, we, he's a good friend of mine and my wife's. We had, we used to, when we lived in New York City, which we did for about 10 years, we had a house in the country. It was on the Delaware River, about an hour and 15 minutes from New York City that we would go to on the weekends. And this uh, gentleman, his name was Don Skiss. He lived out there and he was a very good friend, um, just and so every time we went out there, we would go see him. He had a basement bar called the Rattlesnake Bar. You would go over there. He would serve you drinks until you couldn't oh. have any more, never charge you, never like just, you know, real salt of the earth guy and was a lot of fun to hang out with. Anyway, he uh, got sick, like lung cancer because uh, he did smoke a lot and he was gone like in a, like two months. He went from okay to gone. And, um, and during I had some communication with him near the end. And uh, he was scared. It was horrible. 
Um, so anyway, I still think about him a lot. He used to take my son when he was a little tiny kid out on uh because he did all our landscaping and stuff and the the lot that we had was just a little cape cod house but it was a big deep lot and he would come over with a big riding mower or a mule uh not an actual mule but they you know they call it a mule that you drive around and he would take uh he would plow the driveway for us and he would take my son out just and just loved it rowan at the time was just a little tiny kid and um the uh let's have to see if i can find it actually anyway so we're just real close to him still think about him a lot um and um i was at that restaurant and i had gone into the bathroom it's such a weird story uh thanks for asking for this uh rich i had gone into the bathroom uh and in the uh uh in the uh urinal there there's a lot of these it's a big company i guess but it was uh, the, like not the urinal cake, but the little plastic thing at the bottom <laughs> said Don on it. The splash pad. Yeah, yeah. the splash pad. And um, oh wait, here, let me see. I think I got this here. I do uh, have that video. If you're, if you're, uh, you have, you have video guy. of Scott going to the bathroom. Uh, see again, once again, <laughs> Rich is. Uh, you're not in the writers' room. You don't have to come up with a zinger <laughs> at the end of the, every act. It's, it's fine. <laughs> no, you're talking about the video of Don of, of him giving the uh, uh, the ride to Rowan, but. Uh, uh, let me know if you need to find that. Any any splash pad is it is it showing that. right now? No. Uh, oh, hang on, I got it right here. Oh, quickly though, uh, Uncle Bo is uh, seventy seven is writing in. Uh, is the table moving similar to the trick with four people waving hands over your head and then lifting the sitter who is suddenly lighter? Yes, it is. Uh, Scott will tell you about that. Uh, was it stiff as a board, light as a feather? When we were in high school, it was at first you have your hands over the person's head. Yeah, uh, who's sitting down. There's, then, by the way, so there's yeah. my son, who's now 14, uh, riding with Don on that thing, snow plowing. Well, you can't really see either, either of them, but that's the idea. No, but I mean, they were just, yeah. he would just drive him around forever on that thing. He loved it. And uh, so, so, so tell us what happened in the state. Right. Morton's so I'm in the, in the bathroom and the, um, the uh, urinal thing has uh, the splash thing says Don on it. And I just, and to myself, I thought, and he was a funny guy and he would, you know, there was a lot of taking the piss out of each other when we were hanging out or whatever. Um, just all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I sort of jokingly thought, ha ha, whatever, you know, I'm, I'm peeing on your name or whatever you would probably, and you would probably be, uh, there would be a lot of jokes about this. I just kind of laughed to myself. And in there are uh, three sinks in this bathroom they're all the motion sensitive ones where you have to hold your hands on it. And they're such a pain in the ass. You, you don't do it just right. The water won't come out. And I remember having like a chill and feeling like Don was present. And then I like, as I was finishing my business and going over to wash my hands, cause yes, I always do that. Well, that's <laughs> nice. sink, Thanks for letting us know. Yes. And uh, the sink, the first one came on by itself. I was nowhere near it. And then it turned off and I remember, and I had a very concrete feeling that there might be something happening that was related to Don. And no sooner did the first one do that, that the second one did. So like the first one came on and went off and then the second one came on and went off. And I, at this point now was standing in front of the third one and they both just, and it went off. And then the next one. Yeah. They're just proximity off. sensors. So uh, again, that could yeah. be a ghost, Nobody else a ghost hunting tool. Yeah. yeah. Nobody was in there and I was just standing there and I was standing at the other one and the water wasn't even running. And just, so that was the moment. So then Rich, you went there, you, after you heard right. the story, right? So, so this steakhouse is, um, is almost like on the ground floor of the uh, offices for the CW. Okay. Yes. 
So Titans was around the corner. So when I was working on Titans and, and this happened, it was in season one or two, I think. Uh-huh. So there's the there's the DC building and then there is the 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 old NBC building, which now at that point housed a lot of writers rooms for the uh, Greg Berlanti CW shows, right. Flash and, uh, you know, Arrow and Supergirl right. and stuff right. like that. We were in that building. And then. And then if you just go, you, then you walk out of there, walk past where they filmed the Tonight Show and just go around the corner and there's the steakhouse. So yes. after you told me this story, a couple of weeks after that, uh, my boss and another writer and I went to that steakhouse and we're, you know, having steak and having a great meal. And then I went into the bathroom and I'm like, oh God, this is where it happened. Oh my God. And, and I, I, I became so frightened that I was almost unable to urinate. <laughs> so I'm not the kind of person to bring on a ghost hunt of any sort. <laughs> All right. Well, so good, good to note. But here's the thing: uh, you can you can also look at it two ways. If at uh, you go in there and the same thing happens to you, uh, you can say, uh, "Oh my gosh, it, there's some kind of spooky dis- action at a distance." And uh, just because I heard this story, now it's happening to me and it's saying hello. Or these two faucets do this all the time with everybody. Right. Which you know what I'm Because there's no context. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's like, yeah. oh, well, that's nothing. Uh, it, didn't, it didn't happen when I was in there. In fact, it would have been good because a little bit of running water could actually help me. You know? Uh, <laughs> I know. I asked somebody, but I can't remember who it was now. I did ask him. Oh, you know what? While I was there that mm. night, I went out and I was like, do those sinks ever malfunction or whatever? And they were like, no, we've not had any issues with them. I did ask that question. Yeah. I didn't yeah, tell yeah, the rest yeah. of the story. Oh, no, but but the, then the the great thing about that is then the or the other answer is the waiter is like, oh, yeah. So it happened to you, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's a lot of stories about this building. Yeah. And then yeah. suddenly oh. you're like, what? No, that's that's happened to me. You know, I was on a, a work uh, thing and we were in a, a classic converted old uh, Victorian house that turned got turned in a restaurant owned by it's always the prominent doctor in town where something odd happened and uh, but it was turned into a very nice restaurant very delicious food and and of course i'm with this is uh this is probably 2016 uh we'd been doing the podcast already so i've been thinking about these things but it's like you, you start to get into this mode where like just ask like they'll either get really some people get upset because i didn't know nothing how dare you mention this and usually maybe sometimes the owners because they don't want any taint on their uh oh here we know, go with people the coming in and uh, just because Rich did it, uh, and he's apparently <laughs> fond of it, uh, is that, uh, you know, uh, they either don't like it, or uh, if you talk to the servers, and that's what the, you know, again, such a really fabulous old converted uh, Victorian mansion, and the waiter comes by, like, oh, how's everything, or whatever, and they're like, we're kind of talking, I was like, it just, is this place haunted? And they had a kind of a curious look, and because again, nobody, none of my people that, uh, I, my coworkers care about any of this, uh, and and he goes, yeah. He says, uh, you know, we keep all the extra stuff, the glassware and the plates upstairs in those rooms and the tables. And uh, yeah, every time you go up there, it's like there's a box on the floor that I just put away 20 minutes ago and no one's been up there. Or the tables have been moved around. Or there's a, tables. a more tables. It's 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 again, it's kind of a joke. It's like it's one of the most easy to go to kind of things. But uh, I don't know what Scott's uh, what he's doing now. But I, I wanted to get back and answer the question because I don't know, Rich, if you've ever done this in when you're in school. But I do believe that there's a connection talking about the collective um, expectation versus intention versus unknowing and uh, kind of a uh, involuntary 
muscle movement or something with with energy and that is the light is stiff as a board light as a feather so as the way we did is that people uh, right. would uh, place their hands you know you get four, four four people ideally around one person sitting they put their hands over each other and then you just kind of i, I can't remember what was said uh, you know by our, our science teacher did this he's like well just imagine now okay now try and lift them first you try to lift the people with two fingers under you know each armpit under each crook of the knee the knee yeah yeah and it's like oh really heavy okay can't do that then it's like now try it this way and they put the hands over and then uh, just think you know we just and again probably part of it is saying this stiff as a board light as a feather then you try it and you can lift the person up several feet well like you know two two uh, about two feet off the chair and it seems really easy now what is that is that the intention set by the the science teacher in that when you do this goofy thing and say this chant it's gonna you'll expect a result which is obviously lifting the person up because mm-hmm. you tried it and it was hard. So there is something to that, which I believe keys into this principle. And again, it, it's part of this is it's just the, the fantastic workings of the human mind and, and the, uh, the power that it exerts. So when, when Susan and I started dating, um, we used to go anywhere we went, if we were spending the night or something, we would always ask the people, it's like, so is it true? The stories they tell about this place? just hoping to get responses. Mm. And I got to tell you, the first time it paid off, it never paid off again. Because I was like, oh, we've stumbled upon it. You go anywhere, whether you've heard a story or not, and people will tell a story. But unfortunately, that never happened. I was always praying for it. And usually what we would get is just people going, what stories? No, there's nothing. I don't know. What's <laughs> See, about. Is you, there a problem? You tried too hard. You tried to, you tried to will it to happen. And, and right. that's, that's part of it is that... Uh, <laughs> Uh, again, it's always that thing. Well, Susan has often told me that. Don't try too hard. Don't try to will it to happen. Just, just relax. Yeah, re- relax, but have the intention of of seeing something. Because, I, again, uh, just because, uh, what time is it? It's it's three uh, thirty here, three thirty seven here on the on the West Coast. So it's uh, plenty of time for a tippler for those folks on the East Coast. Sally House, have yourself a drink. Plus what were you going to say? Wait, let's see what the mechanic has to say. What does he have to say? Uh, Sorry, I, I just a question for you, Forrest. You said this was your teacher that did this. This was the yes, this in science board, class. Like, this is it's, yeah. It, it just it's like you went to sleepover high, like why? <laughs> <laughs> I've just never. No, seen no. I think you're. I think you're in my life outside of like. No, no. This wasn't a ghost party. hunt, Ed. This was. Uh, this was just in class. <laughs> His teacher was a doctor, Doctor yeah. Bombay. <laughs> yeah, doctor well, that would have been that would have been something. Uh, no, it's just a, uh, and again, he's there's no explanation for it. It was just something you, you see. The, like, just check, you know, TikTok. It's got the Scott tried the one where you you the can't arm picture, thing, the arm thing where you can't. Okay, yeah, I'll do that now. The wall. He'll do that now. Away. He'll demonstrate this now. This is pretty crazy, right? So you stand. Oh golly, what is this? Oh, it's not showing up. On t- no, no, Ed, he's on the wall. Can you hear me? Yes. yes. Right. So you stand far enough. You can put your hand flat on the wall, like straight. You just stand there. There's your hands flat. You put it on the wall, you take it down, and you rub your elbow a bunch, and then you put it back, it doesn't reach. I'm not doing anything weird here. <laughs> it, honest to God, it's hard for me to get it back to where I had it before I did that. Is Now, that's the thing, is that that's an electrophysiological response to rubbing your, I mean, I who knows? It's cool. I didn't expect it to work when I did it. I didn't, ex- everybody go try it. It's crazy. Like, you just, <laughs> there's... Yeah, yeah. Does there's just and I don't know and I don't know if the rubbing has anything to do. It could just be that your muscles contract a little or something. I'm not sure, but it's and it's a good distance that it comes back from the wall. Yeah. 
but, uh, but getting back to Ed the mechanic, it's like I don't know what you were asking. It's like <laughs> Rich is looking for a wall. This didn't Stop happen to happen overnight. What do you? What do you? What were you did, asking? Did you try it? I am looking at, and I feel completely vindicated yeah. by this. Look, we got Elizabeth. She did this at a summer camp. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't Indy take. It doesn't take six hours to do Ed. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 just, just, it was yeah. shocking to hear. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to come and, and convey that. You, you, by the way, mechanic, I, I have now um I've now trademarked the name Sleepover High. That will be my next movie. <laughs> <laughs> Please, run with it. Run with it. Uh, teen slasher great. horror. Uh yeah. It, it, here's do, the thing is that uh, you know, didn't your teach did your science teacher do a bunch of different things? Like uh, we had this crumpled piece of coat hanger and he would take a, a a penny and you could swing it around and the penny would stay, you know, demonstrating centrifugal force. Uh, your your team. What do you what do you teach? What do you, I know you're of the uh, you're of the youngest generation here. It's fine. Uh, no, remember I had sleepovers with my science teacher. No. It was just rich. I, you, beyond the naked pillow fights, there was really nothing strange at all. That's intergenerational, rich. That's intergenerational. But to have Mr. Yeah. Wizard as your teacher is something entirely just for his hat. I'm I'm happy for yeah. you. I didn't mean to. <laughs> It's no, just, I just I'm not sure you understood uh, what was uh, like I said uh, it, what was trying to take place there. That the thing takes like three minutes, is yeah. that you just try it once. It doesn't work. You do the little. I did thing. it. I don't remember the scenario. And, I remember yeah. doing it, but I don't remember who I was with or what. But that's how my. Well, here's the thing: is that what I remember is that it's also repeatable because it's like, oh my goodness, Mister So and So, like that did work. He's like, yeah, we don't know what's what's going on, but. Uh, you could try it, and then of course, all the all the kids are trying it, you know, with themselves and and forever after, for a while, and it does it did seem to work each time. Now, uh, it, results may vary, as they say. Elizabeth uh, is saying it; they tried it at camp, it didn't happen. Uh, I don't know if you were doing all the parts right. The uh, the the woo -woo thing, the line of saying the chant, <laughs> right? The these things out of order. It doesn't. But work. no, but here's the thing: is that we're we're what we're talking about is did that you, uh, some of these rules do matter. Eliamas. Uh, yeah, it's very, see, they I did it in that movie, yeah. the witch movie with Faruska Balk, whatever that yeah. movie was. Well, here, here's here's yeah, the I other thing that the uh, right, people we? who are very serious about Thank their uh, about their witchcraft. This is one thing I've noticed from people who've is that you rather than just reading a few books at the candle crystal shop, is that if you, unless you know what you're doing, you can get you know you don't know what you're saying and what your intention is that you can get yourself into a lot of spiritual mojo badness is that uh you can you can goof things up or you're going to get no result at all so that's the one thing i've noticed from people who've spent a lifetime studying these things it's like look these things are really complicated uh you got to have the right greek or latin translations you got to know exactly what you're doing with you know what this and that uh church camp well there you go it's uh it's been elizabeth saying it, it didn't work because uh uh yeah not not allowed there but what, I, what i'm saying is that it, these are not very allowed. specific things and so what we're talking about here with the table tipping and bring it back to that is that they did pretty much everything except uh the first time no results and then they just tweaked it a little and then they did get some results and then after that with the practice and and exercising that muscle it happened more uh, it, it was it was repeatable under different uh, conditions, but like I said, look, you can get uh, you know I, I did as far as the EPV, I, uh, EVP. I went home and took the DR60 to uh, wherever that town is I'm from, and had a long time uh, you know friend from high school and, and college, and we were sitting uh, in his car, and I just said, uh, hey, I brought this little fun little thing uh, along. You want to see how it works? And he's like, and he listens to the show occasionally, so he kind of knows what that's about, and he says, okay, well. So I, I I run. It's like okay, just uh, we'll just ask this question. Is there anything anyone here want to talk to us? 
and uh, I get it. And we did get uh, we did get some garbling, rumbling, right? You know, and he's like, uh, and I just said, well, what do you think of that? He goes, well, first of all, uh, I know my Honda isn't haunted, so, and, that, and that's all he says. It's like, okay, fair enough. And uh, so, and again, I I don't uh, he didn't want to press him on that because again, it's very personal and. Uh, it's about belief and uh, we were we were there to get a burger and fries and a shake and not talk about uh, our deepest uh, spiritual beliefs. And so uh, but the point that, you know, I was going to make it to, to him or did later is like, look, it's not about being in the place that your Honda doesn't have to be the object that's haunted. It doesn't you don't have to be in a haunted house. You don't have to this or, you know, uh, do this or that is that if you believe people are walking all over the place every day, all day long, and have been for uh, 200,000 years as uh, homo sapiens, then why aren't spirits walking around? All They don't have to be locked down. We we like to tend to guide, guide ourselves by these rules that are set and fast. And again, I'll say it's like like the conjuring house. Like, oh, uh, you know, Samantha, so it's like, well, she didn't die in this house. She died at a house four blocks down. So this spirit cannot be her. It's like, how, how do you how do you like is there a rule like you got to again right. like i love the show ghosts you can't leave the property you just kind of flip back yeah my uh, friend don my friend don yeah. lived you know near um uh doylestown or in pennsylvania the steakhouse is in burbank right <laughs> so but that was my... like to hang out in bathrooms no it's, that's there's but, you know. See again, he's uh, he's back with the uh, with the blue humor, but but the the point is that it's like it it doesn't. What difference does that make if they're floating or you know if people are floating around? Are there rules? I think some things are maybe bound to a place, and maybe that's their choice. I don't know if there's rules. Uh, it, it ghosts. One of the more recent ones that there's a car ghost. Uh, this well, poor woman died in the car in a car accident, so now she's locked to the car, so she has to go wherever yeah. the car goes. You know, again, they're they're pulling some rules for for comedic effect, and what Rich would say in, a, in the writers' room, like, well, okay, that those rules give us some comedic boundaries. Like, we can riff off those. Is that you can do this or that? But the ghosts in the house next door, the manor house, can't come over to this one. So if they have, they have to shout at each other uh, through open windows, like, and so there's some funny things you can do with that. My point about being, as far as the rules go, is that you know you get some results anywhere. This can happen anywhere, but like with fishing. You know, when I was a little kid, I was like, you know, I'd be out there in the stream when we were camping. It's like, Dad, I didn't get anything. It's like, well, yeah, because you're in a very shallow part of the stream. And fish, uh, you know, they like to go where it's dark and cool in these little eddies. And you should try fishing over there. It's like, it wasn't that there wasn't any fish in that river. It's just that I was not in the right spot. Maybe I wasn't using the right bait. Maybe, you know, it's like you. And one time yeah. I did catch a, a small fish out in the middle of the day. You know, it's real bright and sunny and it's shallow. It was a small fish. I let it go. And it's like, well, that's it. He's like, yeah, because uh, it, like I said, it doesn't rule out that you'll never catch any fish. You're just going to do better if you pick the better spots. Same day, same river, same time of day or whatever. You're just in a better location. So it's it's like, to me, it's a lot like that, where if you just tweak it a little better, you might get some better results, but not barring. It's like, well, you'll never get any results in this bathroom. It's never been haunted. So two two stories that connect with that. One of them was an EVP story that I probably told on this show before, but someone was talking about experimenting and trying for the longest time to get results. Wasn't really getting results yeah. um, and, and was becoming fairly discouraged. I think this was the last night they were going to try it. And finally, they got one word. The word was bookcase. <laughs> They didn't understand it until they yeah. realized, oh, so they moved their recording equipment over onto the bookcase, started coming through like crazy. Oh. 
Second story is, again, writer's room. You know, you can be sitting there for hours and just hammering away at something that just isn't quite working. All right, let's take a break. People go to the bathroom, people go to the kitchen, you know, grab a soda, whatever. And then suddenly two people just meet up in the hallway and within five minutes, they've solved the whole thing. Right, right. You know, and it's just, well, you know, just needed a slight change of venue, slight change of energy, and now it works. You know, and it's, uh, and, and, you know, maybe the mood in the room was becoming oppressive. Maybe it was becoming depressive and, and no one could quite get out of it. And, Mm -hmm. and you do get to that point where you're like, it's never going to happen. We're, we're doomed and we're going to be here forever. And you get, and then, and then, and then you really, you get the yips as they say in sports and, and so, yeah, break it up, move around. Okay, everyone, take a break, go to lunch, go, mm-hmm. right. you know, right. do something. And then the log jam often uh, breaks. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. That's great creative advice. Do you teach that in your classes? What I teach in my classes, um, there'll be a point where, where people will go, well, I've heard you have to like, you know, write every day or you're not a real writer. And I'm like, well, then I have never been a real writer. I do not write every day. And maybe, and maybe there's a point. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and, then, and then I, and then I end the class because it's obvious. I, <laughs> I have a terrible headache in my eye. Class. Right. What's but that then, yeah. but what, what we do talk about is I, I do say, don't worry about writing every day, but if you do get into a routine um, of time and place, it can really help. And again, this is the same kind of thing with the seance phenomenon. Mm-hmm. It's like if if your time is, you know, two in the afternoon on Tuesdays and Thursdays, yeah. and every day, Tuesday and Thursday at two o'clock, you go into your office or your little writing place at the kitchen table, and you sit down with your stuff, and you devote an hour or two to at least thinking about what you want to write about, guess what? Pretty soon, your muse, your subconscious, the creative part of your brain that isn't the executive part, it's the it's the quieter part, the right side, however you want to talk about it, the one who <clears throat> whose voice is typically not as strong, it'll start meeting you at 2 o'clock, Tuesdays and Thursdays, because it knows that's when you're showing up to listen to it. Yeah. And pretty soon you're going to have luck at those times. And that's that's how you begin. Now, people who have been doing it for years have a real relationship with that tiny, quiet voice in their mind. And yeah. pretty soon they can get to that voice and chat with it anywhere, anytime, in the shower, right. in the car, right. on a walk, whenever. Yeah. Because that's part of that. It's like meditation training. You you teach yourself to engage with a part of your mind. And I'm telling you, take all of that, put it in the seance room, have people expect physical effects. I'm not surprised they get them. Yeah. Well, where do you think they come from? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Well, here's I would, I would actually put that rich. It's, it's not quite there. It's maybe uh, a foot above your head in that it is that, uh, that if you're willing to believe in that the astral self, the sub, the connection to the subconscious, because everything that we're talking about here in this aspect of it, non, uh, and, and maybe some aspect of spiritual, uh, spirituality, spirituality is that, uh, with all these practices, it's exercise meditation. They call it, that's why it's called a practice. You have to practice it. It's also it's building a muscle. Every uh, meditation teacher will tell you you gotta you strengthen that muscle. And 
And uh, people get frustrated. It's like, well, I sit down, then I started thinking about all my day to do's list. It's like, that's fine. You just let that happen and you just come back. If you have to come back a thousand times, it's fine. Don't beat yourself up. Just keep doing it. And eventually uh, getting remote viewing, take a drink. Sally has to take a drink. Is that you You start to beat that, as they say in remote viewing, is that you beat a path to the target. And Scott will know what I'm, I'm talking about is that the more times you practice that one thing is that that's, that thing strengthens. And, it, and maybe it's that, um, as they call it there, they don't know the, the source of the information is that connection, that pathway starts to strengthen. And then eventually uh, it becomes easier. And now the other flip side that we said, Pat Price, we've talked about this a, a lot, is that uh, he would pick up on uh, national security secret locations. Yeah, when by he was the way, tested. another Burbank connection. He was a cop, uh, yeah. like a sheriff or Well, whatever, he was a commissioner, I think. In Burbank. Yeah. Who right. just was unbelievable, naturally unbelievable at remote viewing. And right. so much so that the government was concerned that he was some kind of spy and had gotten the intelligence through illegal means. Well, there's no, but, but one of his points was that, well, how are you, that's the thing is that, well, sh, you know, again, people like to apply common everyday logic to this thing. Well, if it's super, super, super top secret, shouldn't that be the harder thing to, to show? And he's like, no, in the, the harder you try to hide something, the brighter it shines in psychic space. Yeah. Because you're putting this energy, like we shouldn't tell anybody. And it mm. becomes, that self-fulfilling prophecy, we talked about this before, I've, I've learned, it's like if you tell a little kid, like, don't drop the vase, don't drop that vase, that vase is very expensive, mister, don't you drop it. What's the kid going to do? He's going to drop the vase, because it's like, oh my God, I can't do, I know I can't do that. And then, you, it's, it, and again, we're talking about, we're coming back to intention, is that you've also accidentally put it in the person's mind that you didn't will them to drop it. You just put it in their mind so fiercely that like, Oh my God, this is the one thing that dad doesn't want me to do. And what do you do? It's like, I just hope I don't. Oh, I dropped it. You, you've just, you've willed it to happen through the person, but not actually, you know, I'm saying not actually willing it. The person did it themselves. It's that self-fulfilling prophecy is that, oh, I'm probably going to drop this. So like, of course, dad's going to be mad at me again. And that's what's going to happen. And then you made it happen, but you didn't intend to. That was, that was subconscious. So when we're talking about uh, whatever's going on here, also, I think very much creatively when you exercise that muscle is that you are, you are making more of that connection to your own self, sub, you know, to your own subconscious. And if you want to believe the higher, the higher self, which is where the creative realms, you're a better person, you're overseer, the, the captain of your ship, not just the pilot, is that uh, now that's, you know, as uh, people always say, don't they, Rich? It's like, uh, how did Mozart write a, a symphony at five? And people, people say, well, how did you write that song? How did Dolly Parton write Jolene in 15 minutes? I don't know. It came from somewhere else. I just, I just suddenly I got this brilliant spark and I just wrote it out. And next thing it's a classic. That happens so often. There's got to be something to it uh, in my mind. It's like that just, not just not a fluke is that the, the file for Jolene was sitting in there. It's like, I don't know. I was making biscuits and then boom. Is that you, you, you open yourself up and it just comes from somewhere else. Now, is that your own higher self? Is that uh, the spirit of your ancestors? Like, man, I've been sitting on this great song for a long time, and now here's Dolly come along, and she's going to do a great job at this. Wherever that is, or Mozart at five, or wherever these people say that these great creative works happen. This happens so often with with artists. I don't know where it came from. It just kind of, I just channeled it. So, so there you go. Uh, you know, and I think when you when you hit on it, and you tell us, Rich, is that when. When you know you've nailed it, uh, do you feel like it came from somewhere else or you just felt like, man, I just 
been crunching this over in my head for so many hours. It's just finally come together. Is it something within you or not with, not without from your uh, essence, but did it come from seemingly somewhere else? I don't know. I mean, I assume even if it's coming from somewhere else, you know, your brain's the receiver and that's where you receive it. And it's for me, it, it, I don't think that there's ever been things that felt distinctly different. Like, okay, that was my thought, but that wasn't my thought. The only weird thing that ever happened to me was, um, was I was, I was in a writer's room someone was pitching someone started to pitch something as i was getting uh, a text message on my phone that was important and so i was reading it and and i I sort of i could hear her voice and i'm reading the text and then i respond to the text and then i stop and i sort of look up and she's just finished and i'm like okay I'm, i'm i'm sorry i got distracted for a second i was i was reading this text but let me if okay, I think what you said was, and I pitched her idea back to her, and it was not her idea at <laughs> all. Hmm. She's like, and I pitched a whole idea, and she's like, that's not at all what I said. <laughs> I'm like, well, then where did I don't know what I just said? <laughs> right, right, right. So that felt a little weird, but anyway, yeah, that's interesting. Well, um. We got a uh, Rich. We know you have a pressing engagement. Um, I myself am gonna. He's gonna hit. meet a ghost in a steakhouse. Yeah, I, Ruth's I, Chris. I'm gonna go to meet pee. some spirits. Yeah, mm. <laughs> but we thank you for coming. Um, the, this has been an interesting discussion on the Philip experiment and all things relating to it. Tangential. Uh, we'll be working on part two uh, coming up uh, next weekend, and um, we want to thank everybody for showing up. And uh, Rich, again, thanks for coming back again, and the the mechanic for directing from from the back from backstage and popping yeah, in because of course our time and, from the uh, uh, from the, uh, the 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 cloak and uh, was it the the spare glass and table room at the uh, yeah. uh, was it the steakhouse yeah and um, oh, Rich, uh, Scott was it was it yeah. Ruth's Chris no it was Morton's Did the change it was Morton's, Morton's in Burbank yeah. Yeah. We got to, I just, come on, Scott, you got to get out here. We got to meet midway or something. And then three of we us. We got to try this experiment. I, I'm, ready what I'm, to, saying. That's, I'm ready to get back out there. I'm, uh, it's been a while since I've been to LA years. All right. Do uh, it, I have not missed, it. I've not missed flying, but, uh, yeah. but, uh, I, I have missed LA and I've certainly missed, uh, world-class sushi. That's for sure. So, uh, well, we get back have out. a great night, you guys. Yes. Happy St. Patrick's right. Day to, to all yesterday or whatever. Uh, uh, no, don't delay celebrating. And uh, yeah, I, that's, you know, that's my final thought is that uh, if this, if you're, it, you know, doubting, if you believe any of this at all, the only way you're ever going to get an answer, uh, and maybe not, uh, probably not, is that you're going to have to try this yourself. There's just, yes. it, it's, it's, uh, it is uh, ineffable. There's no way to, uh, there's no way to prove it. And that's what people again, the critics would say, uh, and rightly so, is that uh, none of this is proving anything, and and you're absolutely right, because I don't think it's supposed to. All right, mechanic, take us out. <clears throat> <laughs>